Welcome to the Origin Canine Podcast, where our mission is to enhance the lives of working canines and handlers. We achieve this mission by speaking to the authentic and inspiring voices of the working canine community and by manufacturing high-quality tactical canine equipment from the Gold Coast of Australia. Check us out at www.origincanine.com. Enjoy the show. G'day guys, welcome to the first episode of the Origin Canine Podcast. Uh, so today we have uh, a super inspirational ex-dog handler, um, probably one of the best dog handlers in the country, extremely inspirational, has an amazing story and one of the most influential people in the canine industry. Um, we also have Sean O'Gorman on the show, who's going to be interviewing me for the first episode. So Sean is going to interview me for this first episode so that the audience can know a bit more about me, who I am, why I started Origin Canine, why I do what I do. Um, and then basically after that, we're just going to get a bunch of interesting guests on the show talk about some stuff in the canine industry, whether it's mental health, whether it's uh, training tips, it's how to transition better from your career, operational war stories, all the above. Um, So without further ado, here is Sean O'Gorman, ex-Queensland police officer and dog handler, um, now the founder and owner of the Strong Life Project. So take it away, bro, start talking about me. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be on the first episode of the Origin Canine Podcast. As you, uh, Last night, as we were sitting around the fire drinking non-alcoholic beers like a couple of hard men, and you told me about your <laughs> hilarious intro, and we laughed for about 10 minutes, it's good to see that that has uh, washed over into this podcast. So, um, guys, this is going to be a little bit of a different um, podcast episode than what Tom will do with everyone else. The idea being that this is for me to interview him so you know about him. So, mate, um, why the inspiration to do the podcast? Uh, it's 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 almost like a like a, a dumb reason for doing the podcast. You got a lot of dumb reasons for doing initially. Yeah, so that won't matter. welcome. Yeah, this is pretty much set the tone. Um, so, like, obviously, I got the business. Like, we're doing kit, um, and we were outsourcing all the manufacturing, but we've now brought it in house. Mm-hmm. So. While I've been waiting for all this material to get here so I can actually start pumping out these products again, um, I've sort of looked at the business and gone, I don't just want to like pigeonhole myself and just be the equipment guy. Sure. Because there's so many different things you can do for the industry and in the, in the industry. So I was like, well, if I'm not the guy to deliver the, all these different messages and you know, I may not be the best training guy, the best... I don't know, mentor, whatever it is. I'm like, well, I'll get a bunch of other people on that can do that for me. Awesome. So I thought, while I'm waiting for this stuff and instead of just like sitting around going, oh, I promise it's coming, like this will be so good when it gets here. I was like, well, I'll just do, I'll do something that can have an effect on that community. So what? So what's a community? So when you're talking about the canine industry, if people don't know anything about Origin, they're just listening to this for the first time, who are the people you're trying to influence? Um, man, so it's like bit of a segue right so the the mission statement for origin canine is to enhance the full life cycle of working canines and handlers and the reason i change it to that instead of what i was before about equipment is like again i don't want to pigeonhole myself so i guess so when you talk about a working canine 
what is that for a layperson who might be out there and knows nothing about who you are, your background, what you do? So that that'd be like a military or a police canine dog handler. So typically we'll be talking about dual role canine handlers like bite um, and tracking dogs. Corrections. Yeah, corrections, that that type of stuff. Yep. Um, you know, you, you, typically your German Shepherds, your Malinois, that that type of stuff. Um, but you can also throw in there like detection dogs. Um, you know, dogs that uh, find underwater leaks, uh, truffle dogs, any 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 dog that has a job that has an outcome for humans, basically. Perfect. Yeah. So um, let's go back to the beginning. So you're 33 years of age, and yep. So uh, where did the Tom Brown story start? Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Uh, so I was born in 1989 uh, in Feb. So I remember the 80s. It was it was awesome, man. <laughs> the 80s from Feb to December in 1989. It was a great time. Um, so I was born in Sydney, the like Eastern Beaches sort of way. So yep. like I grew up in Bondi. So you uh, so you're a bit of a silver tail and. Yeah, yeah, bit, yeah, bit of a cake eater, yeah, yeah. silver spoon yep. sort of kid. Yep. Um, so born, born in born in Bondi, like had just had a mad beach life, um, pretty normal sort of childhood dude. Then moved to Clavelli when I was like five, which is like a couple of beaches south of Bondi. Still a pretty cool, nice area. So I was like super lucky, man. Super lucky I could grow up next to the beach. Um, and mate, I was a pretty normal kid dude like just did the normal stuff that everyone else did i used to like going to the beach surfing um had pretty normal sort of parents man honestly there's nothing like super crazy about my childhood to be honest so um, it's a wonder how you turned out how you did then because something happened somewhere obviously so it wasn't childhood but we'll obviously get to what that is well maybe that's why i think i had a normal childhood because I've, I've repressed it that could be it. <laughs> that could absolutely be it and so um school mate what uh and these are very standard questions a lot of people ask but knowing your personality what uh, what were you like at school? Were you uh, mad scholastically? Obviously, loved school and uh, were oh. very well behaved. Wanted yeah. to work really hard intellectually, would be my guess. Oh, definitely, yeah, very detail focused. Nah, man, I, I was useless at school, dude. Like, I was, I was never like, I was super, super middle of the pack. Didn't fit in. Like, didn't quite know myself yet. Sure. Was like always trying to fit in with other people. So, for me, school was like bouncing around a lot from different friend groups yep because i was quite i had a quite an eclectic group of friends different groups of friends i was never like a super jockey dude but i used to hang around with the arty guys the skatey guys the surfy dudes um but i was never like a because it was a rugby school so i went to waverley college oh yep yep um and i was never really into the right like i played rugby but i wasn't like some awesome rugby dude so yeah, that was school for me, man. I like I hated subjects like maths and science, those real detail-oriented sort of ones. If I was to guess, and uh, this won't be my most brilliant work, but a lot of your report <laughs> cards would say Tom has great uh, potential but doesn't apply himself. Is that a fairly standard comment? L- literally, the, like yeah, that would that was pretty much the comments, man. Which is a lot of uh, when you talk about people in of our personality and our sort of the jobs we both did and many people do. That seems to be a pretty standard thing. Yeah, people who are pretty loose don't fit the system. Yeah, pretty much, man. And it, when I sort of reflect back on school, I'm a bit like, oh, most of that stuff was kind of useless. Like certain things kind of set me up, you know, like my love of history and um, so subjects like history and English, the humanities, I was really good at. Mm-hmm. But the 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 sciences, like science, maths, um, I was terrible at. So. Yeah, man, I sort of never really fit that mould. I really didn't enjoy school that much because I just didn't really care. 
but yeah, you're right. I, I never applied myself. I was good at things I liked, terrible at things that I didn't give a shit about. For sure. Like my last math test, I got like 16%. And I just, I dropped maths in year 10. Mm-hmm. Terrible. But, and look at how well you're doing now. And you're just scared of buying your good looks a lot. Is that probably where it came from, do you think? Or I think probably four out of three of my successes come from my, my math skills and my good looks, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then um, skip through school. So what happens after school? Uh, after school, so like in year 10, in because I was in New South Wales, you could drop out in year 10. You've, you've got your school certificate um, and then you, you can drop out and go into the workforce if you want. And I was like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, and my dad suggested that I join maybe the army, the fire brigade, the cops, whatever. Because he was working IT in the fire brigade at that time. Gotcha. And I don't know what it was, man, but like the army really stuck in my head. So I just like, as you can imagine, I just like obsessed over the army, like watching old, I don't know if it was even YouTube, but like watching old videos of like Kapuka and and I just thought, fuck, this is awesome. This is the best thing I've ever seen. This is fucking cool. Um, so if you were to describe your personality in two sentences, how would you describe it? Uh, ADD is fuck. 100%. There's <laughs> Probably, no doubt about that. And that's half a sentence, but that'll, that's close enough. Yeah, yeah. No, and, just, and just to give your listeners some idea of the sort of personality you are, it's because I think there'll be a lot of people who will resonate with that who might not identify with that as a positive thing. Yeah. But, and as you and I have discussed, I'm absolutely the same personality. And when you understand that you can focus that on good instead of self-destruction, it becomes a fucking superpower. Yeah, 100%. So uh, when you get obsessed about the army, what's that look like? So you're finishing grade 10? Nah, so I didn't. I, I wanted to drop out. Gotcha. But then I was like looking at the recruiting website and, and I think um, I sort of locked in on commandos pretty early. Yep. Um, it just, you know, it just looked cool. I was like, oh, that looks like a cool thing. I had, yeah, I had no fucking idea. Sure. But, but that's, that's how that stuff starts. And was the fire brigade just because you didn't like to sleep at work? Is that what you thought might put you off that or? I just wanted to do no work, but get all the accolades. Yeah, right. Cool. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. I've got a couple of fire mates. They're going to love that. Yeah, that's why the fire is always love that stuff. Mm. So, um, well, you know why cops exist, don't you? No. Because firefighters need heroes too. Oh, that's so, so brave. Isn't it? Very brave. <laughs> so, um, which is all bullshit. I don't believe that. So, uh, as you're going through 10, 11, 12, you're obsessing over the army. You yep. go down rabbit holes. Oh, fully, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just, I almost like doubled down on the stuff that I was good at and then just kept ditching the things that I was shit at, like maths and science. Um, so I was really double down on my history. Like I used to love reading history books, like dates and times and statistics and who was who and where. And it's particularly like the Second World War sort of stuff that was really, yeah, really interesting to me. Yep. So yeah, and I tried to rejoin cadets, but they didn't let me in for some reason. Um, I think because I'd missed certain parts of cadets that I couldn't do it later or whatever it was. Okay. Not was that it, it fucking mattered. Wasn't a psych test issue. Probably personality test, yeah, because mm, that would make sense. Um, so as you're going through those two years into leaving school and joining military, are you? did you ever waver off that path or sort of once you were locked into it and the, the switch was flicked away, you went? Nah, laser focus, man. I was locked in, dude. Yeah. Like, and I, and I, I think at that time I downloaded like a, like a brochure about... Yep. It was like this real basic fitness brochure to get you ready for like the first test that you do like fuck 10 push-ups and like was that like the bfa test is that the uh, that even more basic it was okay. like you know school fucking one at a beep test have a heart rate don't die sort of thing yep um so i just used to sit in my room with this one brochure in front of me and i'd just do this push-up sit-up cycle oh, over and over and over and over again 
so almost a little bit uh, autistic obsessive ADHD like that yeah. sort of oh fully man yeah. yeah I was just locked in like I was just like push ups and sit ups are the way that I'm going to get in the army so I'll just do a billion of them yeah, awesome. pretty sure my shoulders are fucked from doing that so good so uh, you get through year 11 and 12 so like at that stage are you, are you drinking and partying you know chasing girls or you were just so focused that it was pretty much just army all the way Nah, nah, I was, um, I was pretty, it was pretty well known, I mean, just ask me, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was telling everyone that I wanted to join the army, sure. and, um, just because I, I thought it would give me some mad kudos, and I thought it would make me cool, and it, and it did, no biggie. Um, <laughs> in your mind, or other people? I wouldn't have a clue, just in, just in my <laughs> just mind, in, I don't know what that's anyone all else thought, yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's all that matters. But like, um, <laughs> nah, I, I, was, I was still a bit of a loose character, man, like I was sure. still wanted to get out, and, and I was like trying to chase chicks, back then but I was fucking I just was woeful I had no idea what I was doing just so I was no just, game oh yeah maybe I was I think I was just an awkward kid dude like sure. I just like I had no game didn't really know what I was doing um and like we used to just do stuff like going and drinking in the park you know like, oh excuse yep. me sir can you please buy me uh, some alcohol I've got the money just that that sort of pissy sure. shit but yeah just pretty useless. standard though I think for a lot of kids yeah exactly and a, lot, man. a lot of people with your personality or our personalities I think very similar a little bit left to centre don't really fit the mould looking for something to belong to yep. something that means something oh mate belonging was always a huge thing for me which is why I used to float around different groups so much because I like I didn't know myself I was just a I guess now I would describe myself as an awkward kid because I I think back to me not knowing myself and I probably was a bit awkward sure probably tried to fit certain moulds um, so yeah definitely man like I was a little bit left to centre um, bit of a twisted weird sense of humour that only I would get like I thought I was hilarious but other people would just was like oh fuck what are you talking about so you stuck to that yeah to this day yeah. <laughs> I really doubled that, down you really, doubled down really doubled down on that one because yeah. that seems pretty much your whole sense of humour uh, which I get because I think it's hilarious but most other people don't understand yeah how funny you are or I am or people like us are like me doing that intro going like oh the best canine here like, oh I've also got Sean O'Gorman like oh I, like I told you last night around the fire yeah. for like two days man I was, I was rattling around my head going like oh man this will be so funny I was like saying it out loud in the shower and stuff and like because <laughs> oh, so I thought it was so funny I was like oh. laughing to myself like oh bro you're so good and the funny part is now that we're however many minutes in probably no one's listening because I heard that joke and turned the podcast <laughs> off and now it's Just fucking like, over Origin what? So um, so you leave school. What happens? Uh, left school two thousand six, uh, and me and a couple of mates uh, planned a Europe trip in like two thousand seven. Um, so we booked that trip. I just sort of minced around after school. Didn't know what I was doing. Um, so we'd like to have working cafes or do something or what? Did you do anything? no I was working I think when I was in school I was working at uh, I was driving medicine sorry riding medicine around on a bike delivering it to like old oh, people right. yeah cool um, so but that's, that's really interesting so what sort of how did you get into that sort of job why why were you doing something like that for a for a teenage guy once again in the army who's a bit eclectic left of centre thinks he's hilarious but probably isn't what um, is. why do people you know what attracts you to a job where you do that sort of stuff take medicine to old people uh, mate I forgot how I got that job I think oh it was another there was another guy another mate of mine that was doing the job I've forgotten who it was to be yep. honest yep but then he palmed it off and gave it to me and I was just like oh, whatever bro and so when you were doing that like what was your experience when you and you know we've only known each other probably six months or something but 
a vibe I get off you really strongly is the way you interact with people, like to impact people, like to help people. So to me, that's really interesting. So I go, do, is that, do you think as a young, you know, 16 year old guy, 17 year old guy, are you like delivering medicine to old people, sitting down, chatting to them, making sure they're all right, engaging with them sort of thing? Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I, I remember, I remember this one particular dude, his, his name was uh, Mr. Colin Blades. Um, and because at that time I was so into history and I was always yep. reading about Second World War and whatever, I went into this dude's house, gave him his meds or whatever, um, had a drink of water, fell asleep, woke up, and it was, yeah, I was... You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> delivered, him, <laughs> delivered his meds, right? And he was this nice old dude. And Sick. I noticed on the wall he had this painting yep. and I recognised it and it was this painting of these guys in New Guinea with these like old tanks from world war Two. this guy oh, okay. with a bren gun in the, in the in the foreground and i was like oh i recognize that painting i've seen that in some history books it's in new guinea or whatever and i looked closely and i was like is that a recreation or and he's like no that's the original and i was like wow oh fuck what really and he's like yeah that's my old unit two oh, awesome. two 14 cavalry whatever it was in i think i'm pretty sure it was new guinea and I was like, no shit. You're like, you're, you're in World War Two, And he's like, yeah, Tommy, these couple of stories about, you know, these mass graves and, and like burying all these Indian soldiers and and how fucking gory it was. And I was just like, oh my God, wow, that's amazing. So for me doing that job, that was really interesting because mm. I got to connect with the sort of people that I read about in history books. Sure. And like that one particular dude, I, I even looked him up years later he'd passed away because i saw like an, an obituary sure. or whatever it yep. was for him and i was yep. like oh man i remember that guy and yeah. i went to his house and he was in that painting like i could still look up the the painting the picture and be like oh he was in that he said he was in that tank wow yeah it was super interesting man so yeah definitely like i, I used to love connecting with these old people and i just sort of chat with them a bit and and that's and that um because this whole episode's about getting your personality out, that to me is something in you that I see. I think I'm very similar motivated. A lot of people like us are that, but we don't talk about. Because for me, it's like 16 or 17 year old kid peddling meds around to old people talking about their history, who they are, would have meant the world to them and would have no doubt had a big influence on you. But most guys your age are probably, you know, chasing chicks, working at Macca's, slamming beers, and you may have been doing that as well. But there's still that sort of service or that connection to community and impact people that must have run through you even at that age yeah i definitely think so man yeah yeah like for example um my uh granddad left he walked out on my dad when he was pretty young my dad was like 13 or whatever mm -hmm. and i never knew him and i knew he was in the second world war and in the british navy so i reached out to him via email same thing tried to connect with him and, and ask about his story so yeah man like connection with people for me is like i'd say one of the biggest drivers for everything that i do everything i do business-wise personal and so when you talk about connection with people what do you mean um i just think people are inherently very interesting so is that is it you want to impact those people and help them or is it you just want to experience their stories is it a bit of both a bit of both man yeah like i'm like my my life at the moment is is, is based around experiences and helping people yeah awesome. i just want to experience as much life as i possibly can which is why i went to the army and i want to now in like this phase of my life my focus is helping other people 
whether it's in a business sense, like helping them with my products and podcasts so they can hear little nuggets of gold from other people or telling my own story about everything that I've fucked up and how you could not fuck it up. Perfect. That's that's where my headspace is yeah. now. And we'll get to yeah. all the fuck-ups shortly. I thought we already started. Yeah, yeah. So um, it started with your, your humour and your shit intro. So when you... Uh, <laughs> started, started getting you on as a guest. Mate. 100%. Well, I'm not the guest, mate. I'm the interviewer. You're the guest. Oh, fair enough. What, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? So when you... Uh, so you leave school and um, go out in the world, go to Europe yep. on some trip with three other dudes. Doesn't sound weird at all. Two um, other dudes. Two other dudes. Yeah. Sorry. And so what do you do? Kentucky tours? What's the... Well, so... Um, just before I went on that trip, I ended up getting a girlfriend who later became my wife. So the dynamic of that trip changed, obviously, because I ended up getting a missus. So it yep. didn't turn into the epic... The mad chick- boys trip. Yep. Yeah, chick chasing trip that, that it was sort of originally intended to. Um, but it was still awesome to to like... We, did, we backpacked around Europe, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, still to this day, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Awesome. And like, I'll, I'll start off with that bit of advice for anyone is fucking get overseas. Just get out of your headspace. Get out of Australia. Get out of the grinds. Go experience the world because that was such an eye-opening experience for me. And again, linking it back to my love of history and, and the second world war that sort of stuff I got to see a lot of sure. that stuff in person over there Yeah. so it was just oh man it was so amazing like don't even get me wrong like I was still a young dumb idiot and we were out sinking piss all night and um, you know just trying to have heaps of fun and that but yeah I, I just I had the best time best time in that trip so cool yeah so how long are you there for fuck I've been there for seven weeks I think yeah cool yeah come back to Oz what happens Came back to Oz. So in the meantime, right, that was like December 2007. In September, I joined the the Army Reserve. Gotcha. Um, and I, I sort of regret joining the Reserves. I should have gone full-time straight away. But like, that, I think it was a fear thing for me. I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I just sort of held myself back a little bit. So like dipping your toe in the water in Reserves rather than jumping in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And because I just got that missus, I was like... Sure. I didn't want to lose her and jump straight in the army and potentially so how old are you at that stage just turned 18 yeah cool and such an interesting thing right that I talk about all the time and I don't want to uh, hijack your episode too late but it's a whole thing that as a young 18 year old guy you're like I don't lose my missus because this might be the love of my life and might be something I do forever and it's something I say yeah. to young, young people all the time when I see him yeah, people, I was at a thing the other night, I was talking to soldiers like 18 or 21 and one young dude's like, oh, you know, I've got my missus and we're engaged and we're going to get married. I'm like, that's awesome, mate. But, you know, similar things to you. I've got to be careful in my career because I don't want to ruin my relationship. And I'm like, mate, that's awesome. I said, but also be very realistic. At 22, the chance of you being together with that same person in another 78 years is probably not high. <laughs> yeah. So in your, at, at a yeah. young age, what would be the difference? If you went back and spoke to 18-year-old Tom now, what would you say to him? Oh man, I'd probably, and it, it kind of sounds a bit brutal, but I'll, I would be like, don't have a missus. Sure. Go. Or don't have something super serious that you think is going to be lifelong. Yeah, like go and experience a bunch of life. For sure. Find out who you are. Go and have heaps of fun. Make your, your dumb mistakes. And then when you've experienced a bit of life, 
and this came back to bite me obviously later sure. when, when I got divorced and whatnot yeah um, I would say go experience life on your own kind of discover who you are make a bunch of mistakes have a bit of fun and then when you've done that and you've sort of ticked those boxes and, and maybe satisfied a few curiosities whether it's being single travel you know whatever then settle down so that you can properly commit yourself to somebody great advice yeah that, awesome that's what advice. I would say so um, you join the Chocos join the Army Reserves and mm-hmm. what happens um, I basically killed it oh, I was just awesome um, <laughs> Nah, I went to, I did like Kapuka, I went to Singo, whatever. So for people who aren't military, and I'm not military, oh, yeah. so if you go in as an army reservist, do you, you do the same sort of course as a Kapuka that a normal soldier would as a full-time soldier going into the military? Is it a different course? What's the sort of... It was like, a, it was a compressed version. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like slightly shorter Kapuka, slightly shorter um, initial bloomer training, which is infantry for me back in Singleton. then. Yep. Yeah, so... Cool. I did that and I was sort of like, oh man, that really wasn't as hectic as I wanted it to be. So, so you'd build it up to be a lot more, lot more terrifying than it was? Yeah, and it was just wasn't what I thought. You know, you know what it's like, you're thinking totally. it's like going to be like a Russian basic training getting sure. smacked in the face and stuff. And it wasn't like that. Because and you it, were just an epically talented and natural soldier? I was just so naturally talented and dedicated that it was so easy for me. No. Yeah. Nah, so I hope people realise all of those comments are sarcastic <laughs> because it, uh, they may not pick that up. Extre- yeah, extreme yeah. sarcasm. Yep. No, I mean, I was, I was like, I was young, I was stupid, I used sure. to say dumb stuff, and like, I was physically competent and whatnot, but sure. I, I just, I was so immature, man, um, as opposed to now, obviously. Yeah, of course, now 33. Yeah, super mature you're, now. The difference now is you're 33 and not 18. <laughs> not much <laughs> the, else The changed. number's different, I just look a bit older, yeah, I wear different hats now. Cool, so you go through Kapuka and Singleton? Yep, do Kapuka and IETs, um, I actually did my IETs over in Perth in Bindoon. Okay. Well, I came back and I was- What was that? Oh, it just happened to... That's where it was at the time. Yeah, happened to be cool. just where they just sent us. Um, so yeah, I went and did that and I was just like, oh man, I could just that wasn't enough for me. I want to do more. So I was like, I'll just transfer full-time, done. So I went over full-time and the whole time I was like, oh, I want to transfer to full-time and I said that at Kapuka and IETs and they'd always palm me off and be like, oh yeah, just do it and you get back to your unit. And the unit was like, oh, just do it at IETs and I'll do it back at the unit. So they're basically sort of like, it'll be too much of a pain in the ass for us to do it so we'll flick you to someone else to do it later? Yeah, pretty much. They were just like, oh, cool yeah. story, bro. Like you and everyone else when I go to fucking SAS, like yeah, for sure. go back to the unit and yeah. you just, you yeah. pro- it probably won't happen. Yeah. Go back to the unit, dig holes, shut the fuck up. Yeah, 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 basically. So I just keep getting palmed off and then I got back, put my app in then went full time. And uh, I guess I kind of didn't remember this until recently. When I transferred over full time, my first full time gig was like at uh, Second Seventeen Alpha Company, mm-hmm. and because I had no and so I, that and that's an infantry unit, yeah, yep. yeah, reserve infantry unit. Gotcha. But I, my, the, I just happened to go full time and stay there until my my first posting kicked in, which oh, was gotcha. Yep. So I rocked my first day remember I'd done no full time army service I was yep. like labouring and stuff and I had no idea what I was doing so labouring outside of military doing your reserve hours inside military yeah cool yeah so I'd done my training and I'd rock up on a Tuesday night or occasional weekend or whatever yep. and that was my experience so yep. far so I'd had no idea about what the timings were what was sure. expected of me you just go to coffee shops and your cams and sort of yeah, that, just that sort of stuff yeah, I didn't just know just talk about your epic war stories yeah when yeah. I killed 10 dudes um, but then the first day that I transferred over full time I didn't know what to do and nobody said like I'll oh, rock up here at this time sure 
and I, I remember like sleeping in <laughs> I, woke, I was like at my house and I woke it was like 10 o'clock and I woke up and I got these missed calls and texts like where the fuck are you what's going on and I'm like oh hey how you going like, and they're like bro you're like you're full time now like, where are you are you supposed to be at parade at 7 or something yeah, or whatever 7.30 and I was like I was like oh I don't know and that, that, that and pretty much like <laughs> Pretty much set the tone for what the rest you, of you my career. You got corporals or section commanders or someone like, like where the fuck are you? No, like, like a warrant officer. Oh, warrant officer's called Yeah, yeah. And you're I like, there, oh, yeah. 7.30, bro. I thought we started at like 11. I was like, oh, I don't know. I just oh. thought the, the date just ticked over. Doesn't like, someone yeah, pick me up or time. like... Yeah. <laughs> Where's the bus? Do I get the bus in there? The, the army bus? So like, awesome. I just was sitting in my house. Just so like, you're off to a stellar start of your oh, career. Off to a great start. And then that, that was pretty much the rest of my career. Like, just <laughs> a massive fuck awesome. So you get in there about 11.30? Yeah, no, dude, he just ripped me. He was like, you fucking idiot. Like, And I was like, oh, I just thought. And he was like, think, thought. You didn't fucking think. And I was sure. like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, so I was, in the, I was in the back foot. To start. So, so you're... Um, you're at the your infantry unit. So so where was that? Was that at three area? Or that was still at the No, that was still uh two seventeen. Gotcha. And I was I think I was only there for like a month. Gotcha. Before I the posting kicked in and I went up to Singer and that yep. same dude drove me up. Turned out to be a pretty good dude. The Warren officer. Yeah. Yeah. So he became your carer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I basically bounced from carer. Like, people have just handballed me from carer to carer. Like, exactly. oh, take care of this guy for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, you go to Singo. What, went, what happens there? Went up to Singo. Uh, that was my first proper full time experience in the army. Um, but, like, the place that I was posted to was it's what we call training support platoon. So, basically, it was like a, it was like a, a dumping ground for, for fuck ups and guys that were injured and whatever. Gotcha. Um, so how did you end up like serious question why do you think you ended up there is that a, they just didn't know where else to put you oh I think because I wanted to go to three I specifically requested to go gotcha. to three RR perfect um, but there was no postings or whatever at that time sure. they were like well look can't send you straight there but if you go and do this posting yep and I imagine they'd have quotas so I was just sure. the reserve idiot that they just went oh go here yeah and then they were like, if you go there, then you can go to three after. So I was like, okay, I, really, cool. I really want to go to special forces. Cool. You should probably start as a cook. Okay, then. Yeah, yeah. The best, best, best way again. Oh, yeah. this is awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, cook to SAS. That's how it works. Yeah, for sure. So I, I fell for that. And I, I think it may, may have been legit, but I went to Singo for a year. Um, some good dudes that were there. So in that sort of role, is that... Are you in a training role or you're in a support role where you're playing bad guys for guys going through? Yeah, it was like doing bad guy stuff. Sure. Um, but, you know, we help debrief the troops and yep. whatever and, and there was a bunch of other guys from battalion and whatnot and it was just like it was a real toxic environment sure because uh, you've got a few ill and injured guys there they're not real happy and yeah so there's some so there's people real, have had a lot of purpose yeah but it's a bad mindset guys are just stuck sure. in that sort of mode so yep. I didn't try not to hang out with those sort of guys I definitely that rubbed off on me a little bit sure but I sort of cottoned on to that and then started ha- trying to hang out with the better guys um, like the guy that runs Overwatch Fitness now he oh, I yep. met him there he's an awesome dude yep so me and him sort of linked up and there's another couple of guys that I linked up with that were pretty cool dudes that I'm still mates with today yeah awesome um, so I just hung with those guys man And so you go from there to three yep went from there to three uh, posted into three basically started out as a new guy again because so when was that that was 2010 yep yeah yeah early 2010 yeah yep. so like jan 2010 or whatever it was 
So there's, um, a, there's a lot going on overseas, obviously, high operational tempos at that stage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and three had just done a trip in 2008, I think, and maybe in 2010 they'd done a trip as well. Um, I'm like, oh, fuck, am I sitting close to this microphone? Um, I think they'd done a maybe a Timor trip 2010. I don't know. I can't yep. remember. But yeah, there was a lot of operational stuff going on at that time. Um, and and then you was, really, like, you're chomping at the bit to go, I want to go overseas, want to get on a trip, go and yeah. do what I train to do, obviously. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. And that's when, for me, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm in the army. I'm in the sure. area, yep. infantry, we're doing exercises. Yep. Um, but to be honest, like, I, I hated that. I hated doing, like, the regular stuff. Sure. I always wanted to do the coolest stuff. Of course. But yeah. I hadn't earned my stripes. Sure. I was like, no, nah, I want to go straight to doing cool stuff. Yeah, you didn't want to... You didn't want to you know do vehicle security and carry shit around you want to be the guy on the front line yeah I wanted sure. to do the cool stuff without doing the boring stuff and I hated yeah. the admin and I hated yeah, the sure. dumb rules and that yeah. was just just me sure so I was I definitely used to probably whinge a bit about the stupid stuff so you're the rebel without a clue yeah man 100%, 100%. Re- rebel yeah. without a clue without a cause sure um, and I think I was technically competent at my job yep. you know I was a fit guy yep. I was always pretty keen but I was definitely I was definitely a winger like oh, what are we doing this? you're like That's 20 so 21 how old are you yeah That's... I was like 20 maybe yeah. 21 yeah I yeah. think I was 20 yeah I think I just turned 21 that year yeah yeah I was born in 89 2010 yeah so and maths isn't your thing like you just did that in your head that was yeah. amazing oh, fuck I guess so mm, yeah good work believe so, uh, it can happen people how inspiring eh? yeah isn't it we could probably just end it there it's amazing so uh, see you're in three you're doing exercises you're whinging wanting to get let off the chain and go and do your thing <laughs> yeah like, I shouldn't have to do any training just send me in coach sure yeah yeah like so you know without doing the reps can I do the cool stuff uh, yeah. no um, so just because I was keen and, and fit and I was always trying to do extra stuff and get on different courses I think that put me in good stead to do things sure so, yeah of course um, I made friends with a couple of sort of good dudes in the unit try to get fit with those kind of guys yep. so I got in with a pretty good crowd um, but I was loose as fuck man like I was <laughs> always out sinking pierced sure. like rocking up to work pierced yep um, I was just a, like an admin shit fight of course you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. like yep. looking back now I wish I'd focused myself more at work yeah then had some outlets in the weekends and then come back to work and be more focused but you know I was and do you think that's a like a caged animal scenario was cliched as it sounds you're just dying to go and do your work you want to go overseas do trips can't do that so drinking piss and being a lunatic is a is an outlet for that for you yeah i reckon for sure yeah definitely yeah mm. yeah yeah. um like and i just didn't know what i wanted man sure like i would look at the you're a kid you're 21 years of age like yeah i was a child bro yeah, and sure. like i would look at the i'd still look at things like the recruiting posters yeah. and, and think oh that's what i want to do and I, I was all over the shop man like if i was doing one thing i'm like fuck this, we should be doing that. And if I was doing the other thing, I'd be like, fuck this, we should be doing that. So was that a sort of, if I could do that thing, it'd make me happy. Then you get there and go, oh, it's not that thing. If I could <laughs> do that next thing, that'll make me happy. Yeah, big yeah, time, for sure. big time, yeah. I was always like, oh, we should be doing this, should be doing that. And did you like, go through the standard sort of going a heap of debt, buy a HSV Ute, like, <laughs> like all that, a motorbike, like that same sort of young guy, stupid shit? Nah, I don't think I did anything that outrageous, like financially. Yeah. I actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> he's a dumb story go for it I right? think and, this will be awesome yep. and uh, like the, obviously the I don't want to mention his name because he's still 
is in like a job but sure the guy that runs overwatch fitness sure. always gives me shit about this <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a good insight to how immature and dumb i was yeah sure i for whatever reason i think i was even buying a car or buying something yep so i went and got a credit card yep just because i was like well i don't have a bank account i'll get a credit card and I obviously don't have a bank account well i uh, uh, that was my first bank account it was getting a credit card gotcha okay so I got the credit card and I had like a $2,000 limit. So you had the, no idea what the interest rates were or how they worked or? I literally thought the bank gave me $2,000 as like a complimentary like, oh, hey, thanks for, thanks, for opening, thanks for opening your account. It's thanks for joining the bank. And I was like, I was like, oh man, I've just stumbled across the it's greatest the, secret in the world. I'll, I'll go just, open six different I'll just bank keep accounts. Opening bank accounts. Is that what you did? And I'll be rich. Yeah. Is that what you did? It's literally. I started doing that. I, I spent why. the two thousand dollars on yeah. fuck knows what something Some dumb. Shit, yeah. And then it was like, oh, your bank account is negative two thousand dollars. I'm like, was it negative two thousand dollars? <laughs> And my missus at the time had to like explain to me that like, no, this is like borrowed money that you've got to pay that back with extra. And I was like, oh, well, there goes my fucking pyramid scheme. <laughs> That's so good. But, I, but, what I, but what I highlight like, and I don't keep going off topic, but it's that highlight that we were talking about the other day where we go, you know, your kids go to school and they learn shit that's so freaking irrelevant and you, you don't even understand what that is. Yeah. Which is not unusual, I don't think. Uh, maybe not that dumb but like I just no, have I, no, no idea but I don't if you're a young guy who's not overly intellectually motivated you're not academically gifted or don't want to be and knowing you now you obviously we're, we're very similar personalities I was a dumbass at school because I just wasn't interested if I focus on something else I'm a psychopath and I smash it so you're like nah I won't read the fine details where do I sign the thing fucking 2,000 bucks woo yeah free money how good is this yeah 100% can I open 10 accounts yeah, yeah for sure which sounded to me still sounds like a solid strategy. I'm going to look into it. So, well, I mean, you just get another credit card and pay that credit card off. Exactly. I mean, it's, basically, it's just free money. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. exactly. So then, um, so you have your two thousand dollar debt, and your mate from Overwatch uh, <laughs> hopefully will listen to this and just piss himself laughing. That's a great story. He still brings it up. Of like, course he will. All the time. It, yeah. I know. Obviously, I know him well as well, and um, I couldn't see him letting that go. And why would he? <laughs> um, so you're at three. You've got two thousand dollars in debt. You've realised that you are <laughs> fucked up bad. What do you do? Uh, I uh, because I was getting regular pay like it would just rock up in a bank account every two weeks I just paid it off sure um, I think I ended up getting a car and then having a debt yep. but it was like it wasn't a hectic one it was yeah. just I just paid it off normally so and you, then, didn't, you didn't go and buy a $70,000 ute or like nah, a lot of young guys do my first car was a Mazda Tribute oh yeah with like a column shift steering yeah sweet thing cool um, Auto, obviously, but mate, I didn't get my license till I was like 22, 21. Oh, didn't you really? Yeah, yeah. Gee, that's interesting because most like, guys are like chomping at the bit the day of your birthday. I was in there, get my license, get some freedom. Nah, I, I was so, I was so totally unfocused, yeah, right, and like didn't know what I wanted. I was all over this shop, sure, man, when I was that age, you know what I mean? Like, I thought I knew what I wanted, then I didn't, it would change. And so, you're probably like getting around the eastern beaches of Sydney with roller skates and a satchel over your shoulder, you know, a few mochaccinos, roller blades, roller come blades, come on, bro, yeah, yeah, sure, because you're not an idiot, faster, yeah, of course. So, um, so what. Let's kick through your military career until we get to the fun stuff. When do you like? When do you get your first trip? When does that sort of happen? 
So first trip was supposed to be 2011. Cool. So and you got the unit went in, t- in 2010. Cool. So I went into support platoon as mortars, the, like the mm-hmm. guys that yep. put the bomb in the tube and it launches. Yep. yep. Um, like artillery, but smaller. Sure. So that was in support platoon mm-hmm. with like recon and snipers and those sort of guys. Yep. So support platoon was going to go over in 2011 to supplement to RR, 2nd Battalion. Gotcha. But for whatever reason, they didn't send all of us. The orbit changed and they only sent a few guys. So we got bumped to the 2012 trip. So three... So were you dirty when that happened? Like, was that a... Oh, super dirty, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, super dirty. Because it was like the Christmas break and we were supposed to be going in like January or February sure. or whatever it was. And then we came back and it was like, no, nah, not happening. Oh. Um, so, you've, so you're away over January, February, just frothing, going, oh, I'm going to be epic. This will be amazing. Oh, fully. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. be fucking smashing dudes and having fun. And yeah, yeah. How awesome would that be? And then I'll, you come I'll back be... and they're like, oh, no, go back, polish your boots, do some admin, shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, pretty Which much. Which would have just... So did you go off the rails and smash the piss and go bad uh, as a result then? Or... I think I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like in a depressed sort of way, but no, just no, like, but just oh, well, a... fuck it. Let's just yeah. go and just I was going to focus all that energy into this thing. Now that thing's not there. Yeah. What's the next stupid shit I can do? And then we're moving to, moving to Townsville with three. Oh, okay and then doing it an, an actual trip so then i just basically just did the move moved up there um and then got on that trip and even with that trip man there was a whole bunch of back and forth like oh you're going you're not going you're going you're not going yep um and my section commander at the time i don't think he wanted to go oh, okay so i think he was like that's interesting fueling the rumors that we weren't going to go um, and do you think he had he been on trips before uh i think he'd been at timor before that and didn't want to go, do you think, just didn't want to be in the environment or other stuff going on? Like, what sort of drives someone like that? Um, I think, because he, he had a young kid. Sure. And I think his kid had some health issues. Yeah, gotcha. And it was kind of sad, you know, I look, look back and I have a different perspective on it, because I fucking hated him. Of course. Like, I used to give him shit all the time. I was a fucking shit fight of a digger. Because like, you're looking at him going, you'll stop me going, do what I want to do. Don't yeah. be so fucking soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Pretty but arrogant. He had a young child at the time, and... Unfortunately, the guy ended up committing suicide a few oh, years later. Wow. Um, pro- probably for some reasons to do with that trip and, and a sure. couple of things that happened and sure. his misses or whatever. Um, yeah. And I won't say his name just because it's no, of course not, of course you know, not. for his sake. But um, I just I hated him and I just was like, this guy's a fucking obstacle to me. But I think his mentality was, I mean, like people die overseas. Sure. I've got, I've got a daughter got and I've got a family and yeah. I, that's just, I'm not keen on that. And you get, that's something that I think a lot of people, and again, I've never served in the military. So it, this is my experience doing what I do in there, like talking to soldiers is not everybody joins the military and goes, oh my God, I'm dying to go overseas and, and you know, go into combat or go and do trips. A lot of people join it because they think it's a good organization and they can, their security. And then all of a sudden, even if you're a young dude, I suppose, who's like, yeah, man, I want to go and kick doors and do whatever. And then you get a kid and then you're like, and you know, you got a missus and you think, holy shit, this is fucking real now. Mm. I'm no longer playing soldier. Yeah. Is that something you think happens reasonably often? It's. Uh, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think, um, and that, there was actually a couple of moments in my career, and I'll probably get to that. Sure. Where I felt like genuine fear. and of course. I was, and, I, and I, like, even like jumping out of planes. Yep. Like, I loved it when I was out of the plane, but I hated everything leading up to it. And I was I would sit in the plane just ruminating, going, Why did I choose the job where I fucking jump out of a plane? Couldn't sure. I have just been the guy that like why did I have to choose this one? Couldn't yeah. I have just been the, the fucking guy that sits in the office and like 
yeah, does some kind of fun stuff, but doesn't have to feel like I'm in danger like this. Absolutely. A, a couple of times overseas, same same sort of thoughts went through my head. I'm like, fuck, bro, why did you fucking do this? And that's and I think that's a really important thing to get to, and we love to talk about it when we do my episode next. Is that so many people who do the jobs that you did or I did, and young dudes who are like a million miles now really want to kick doors and go out there have immense amounts of fear, but nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. So you would have been sitting in a plane, like what sort of plane would you be jumping out of, like C-17s or something? Or yeah, C-130, C-130. So sitting in a C-130 with another 20 dudes or something about to static line jump or something, Yeah. and you're probably, you're in there shitting yourself going, fuck me, I don't want to jump out of it. You're looking around, everyone else is like, yeah, I'm good, bro, I'm good. And in their heads, they're like, fuck, I don't want to jump either. Yeah. Everyone's terrified. No one's admitting it. Everybody lives in their head just chewing it over and like your section commander probably thinks they're the only one going through that shit which is such a massive impact on mental health for soldiers cops yeah people in general i I think so man and and like purely out of ignorance i never had those thoughts on my first trip because you're you're excited well i was excited and and like the reality of what could potentially happen to you i didn't i hadn't seen that but you're a 21 year old guy right or 22 year old guy your prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain that has rational thought and understands danger, isn't developed till you're 24. So you're literally going overseas, going, "Woof, this will be epic!" Because the yeah. thought of actually dying, yeah, or getting hurt, probably isn't something that really worries you too much. You Mate, don't think about it. it like up until a certain point, it never entered my mind. Yeah. But then after a certain point, and there was there was no particular impetus for this. Sure. I don't know what it was, but I thought to myself, and and I. I'll tie this in later. I wonder if this is like where some depression stuff started for, for me. Sure. I was like, I don't think I'm going to survive this trip. I think yeah. I'll probably die. Yep. But I had I had no specific, like I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get shot in a gunfight or blown up with an ID. I was just like, oh, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like I'm just the guy that won't make it through the trip. Like it just dawned on me. But it wasn't because I, was, I saw Jono get shot or, or no. someone get blown up that, that I was like, oh my God, it can happen to me. It just popped into my head one day, and then sure. I, and it was just like in the back of my mind. But and a lot of that can be the cumulative, like stress. Even though you don't feel stressed about it, where you just do jobs, things are happening, you're over there for a while, and then all of a sudden it's just like you're almost probably a silly analogy, but you get in a new car and the new car smells amazing. Then after a few weeks, you don't notice it. You just settle into that thing, and in your mind, the reality of it's there, and it's almost like your brain. Is telling you that might happen, so you're more hyper vigilant, so you're looking out for danger more. Like it's all the subconscious stuff that nobody explains to a young soldier. Yeah, yeah. And then again, like we'll get to it later. But like when I got out of the military and I was seeing a couple of psychs and stuff, I, I never thought I was the PTSD dude, right? Sure. And, and I kind of still don't, right? No. But the way one of these guys explained what some types of post traumatic stress are, it's not necessarily like you're jumping at cars backfiring. No. Side note: When the fuck does a car ever fucking backfire? Yeah, have you ever heard? Never one? now. Yeah, yeah, like never. The like, fire doesn't happen. Yeah, you're like, come on, bro, that never happened. Yeah, um, but like, it's not necessarily you waking up in a cold sweat, remembering traumatic events. You might just be, you know, scanning your peripheries a bit more. You just a general feeling of anxiety. Yeah, a bit of anxiety, yeah, that sort of sure. stuff. Not necessarily because you're like, I'm going to get shot and blown up by an ID. Is that an ID? Is that an ID? You're just a little bit more aware of your surroundings, a bit more vigilant. And it's that cup analogy where it's like you're using, Absolutely. you know, 10% of your brain scanning the environment, not because you're like, oh, I'm going to get shot, but you just, that's just what you do. You're, yeah. you're situationally aware. That's what you're trained to do. So then 10% of your stress bucket, so to speak, yeah. whether it's acute or chronic stress, is taken up by this Absolutely. thing that you're thinking about. Yeah. And that's the way PTSD was explained to me. Absolutely. 
because I was like, well, no, I didn't really care about seeing any of the the, the blood and and the, the gore and whatever because yeah. I. I was like, I was mentally prepared for that. That's what you joined, yeah. knowing that would would happen. Exactly, but then the, the guy was like, "Well, it, that you know, you might not be the guy waking up screaming, but you just might be the guy that his know, buckets full." Yeah, your buckets a bit full. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, yeah, but we'll no doubt get into that later. But yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is why it's great having these sort of conversations because you go, there might be some young digger who listens to this and goes, "Oh wow, I didn't know that," and I've got a theory. I've got a million theories. Um, most of them are based in absolutely no fact but I look and go if you if you do the job you did an infantry soldier or then you know SF later and you do trips to Afghan Iraq wherever you're in that environment even if you haven't seen a lot of actual violence if you aren't exchanging rounds with the enemy or whatever you're still in that environment where you know that's a real possibility so you're in that heightened state of alertness which impacts that stuff and it's that sort of thing that I often talk to soldiers and go, if you've been overseas and done any of that sort of work for any period of time, if you're a police officer, you know, first responder, whatever, then the chances that you would have had a post-traumatic stress impact might not be to the point of a diagnosable disorder, yeah. but there will be post-traumatic stress. And I think that's something for people to understand. Everybody will have an, an impact yeah, because we're not physiologically wired to do those things. And, and I think even making a distinction between chronic and acute stress. Absolutely. Like, we all have chronic stress. Yeah. Like, thinking about picking your phone up all the time. You know, I've got to be get to this place on time and I'm always going to be late. Money, and, relationships. Yeah, the, all those everything. little accumulative bits of stress. For and sure. I, I love that bucket cup analogy. Yeah. And I use that in dog training. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that is probably, at least for me, the best explanation for why people act in a certain way. Yes. As opposed to like, oh, this really acute thing happened where there was this violent incident and now I have nightmares. Mm. It's not always like that. No. And I think that's why people discount their own trauma, whether sure. it's post-traumatic stress or whether it's depression or whatever. They're like, oh, but my thing wasn't that bad. You're like, but yeah, but you've got to think about the accumulative effect Absolutely. over time of, of all these little things in your life. Yeah. Well, you look at your your work guy, stress, mate. Mate, like, look at your section commander. Like that guy that you were talking about, his, his stress impact that had him take his life, which is tragic he may have been exactly the same. Like, I haven't been in any epic gunfights, but I'm afraid to go back overseas because his bucket's full because of trips he's done before, the job he's done for X amount of years, he has a baby, the baby might have health issues, money stresses, him and his, miss, him and his missus aren't great. That yeah. all adds to stress. Yeah. But we discount all of that and go, but I wasn't in an epic seven-hour gunfight. I shouldn't have PTSD. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, awesome. And then, you know, he may have even come back from that trip because there was a couple of times that there, yeah, there was a couple of um, incidents with kids over ah, there. Okay. And I remember one in particular he was yeah. quite affected by. Sure. And in my stupid, immature mind, I remember going, well, I didn't give a fuck about seeing that. Like, I don't and that's care. the relatability of stuff, right? Yeah, but so for now him, you've got a daughter. If you went and did the same job, it probably would have a different impact. I reckon it would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And because I, I was just like, Oh fucking get over it, mate! You know sure. he's just a fucking stupid kid. Like yeah, you know just you should have been prepared gets... for this sort of sure. stuff coming over here. Yeah, but I just didn't realise how that would have affected him, and he may have come back from that trip, gone. Well, I didn't do much. Um, sure, you know, I wasn't that good. Why should I be feeling this way? Blah 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 blah. And then those are the kind of demons you wrestle with. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. I reflect back on that now and I'm like oh man he just would have been 
he would have had a lot of stress in his life that I wouldn't have been able to relate to. Relate to 100%. And I wouldn't have seen. And you're 21. Oh, you like no how idea. old would that guy have been roughly? Oh, dude, he wouldn't have been much older, man. Cool. Maybe like 25, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably ruins what I was going to say. But you go at 21 <laughs> years of age, but he's, he's obviously got a fair, even that four years life experience, Mrs. Kid, blah, blah, blah. Yep. His bucket's just more full. Yep. You know, and that's a different, um, as you, like you said, you grew up, grew up in a pretty good family. There was no major dramas. He might've grown up with, you know, hectic violence. Like you just don't know. And that's the stuff that's so important to understand. Cause I was a very similar cocky young cop who was like everyone soft if they're not doing what I'm doing. And you know, so yeah. And I was, again, a very average police officer. I wasn't a fucking superhero by any standard. I was a fuck-up as well. That's what we said off air. Yeah, I don't want to lie to everybody. <laughs> I just lie to you. But um, when you look at it, you go, we've got to be just so mindful. Everyone goes through their shit, and you and I can see exactly the same thing. Watches over me, I don't give a shit, and it really impacts you all the other way around. It's yeah. having a bit of empathy and not being such a fuckwit. Like, I have been and you have been. that. Yeah. And I think that's why these chats are so important. Yeah, I think so, man. Yeah. And like we were saying at the cafe this morning, so for anyone listening, like Sean's staying at my house and we went out to Burley this morning, had a fire last night. So obviously we're going to reference a couple of chats that we were having. It's, and it's been very romantic, which is important to, to hit on, I think. Oh, bro, we smashed like six non-alcoholic beers each. Oh, mate. It, it was, was epic. Night. We're going to go clean night. up the bottles. It was A couple crazy. of very, very hard, heavy hitters. It was crazy. Yep. Crazy times. How hot was the fire? It was so warm. Oh, it was so beautiful. Was so get back to your stupid cafe story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the coffee was really good. Uh, <laughs> I've actually forgot what we're talking about. <laughs> I knew you would, you idiot. So go to... Um, you're so simple. So go to your first trip, because otherwise we're going to be here for seven hours, I'm just thinking. We haven't got a long way through your story, and I don't know how far in we are. Uh, the computer's going to run out of memory. Uh, so first trip, went to Afghanistan. I was out at the Chora Valley, which is, uh, from memory, it was like north uh, northeast of TK, Tarrancot, the main yep. base, up in the valley. Yep. Um... Fair this, stuff going on there at that stage or... Yeah, it was, it was pretty... It was like... That was 2010 to 2012, I think, was like pretty much the height of that yep. war. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yep. We probably had the most casualties in Australia in yep. that time. We as in the Australian Army or... We Australian Army, yes. yes. Yep. And like on that particular trip, we... My battle group... Uh, sorry, task force, task group. I've forgotten... Whatever what it's called. What's yep. called, yeah. My, my unit had three guys killed. Wow. Um... And and then one, two, three, four SF dudes were killed on that trip. Wow. Two in a chopper crash, uh, oh, one yeah. shot in a gunfight, and then yep. one blown up by an ID. Yeah. So it was definitely a very hectic time. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, but but again, like my personal experience on that trip, uh, like I, because I was always chomping at the bit to get out and sure. do extra stuff and get yep. on patrols and. Yep. And like, I just had this idea that I'd just be this mad war hero and it'd sure. be sick. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I just, it wasn't like that. It was like reasonably quiet. Yep. I was in mortars, so I didn't get out on the patrols as much as I wanted to. Yep. <clears throat> I think, I think from So memory, for people who aren't familiar, so you're essentially a distance back from where the action is dropping ordnance on people. Yeah, but we, I didn't, I never dropped ordnance on him on, on that trip. Okay. Dropped a bunch of a loom yep. to yep. like do some night ops, that type of stuff, to nice some enemy terrain. So you essentially you're sending a projectile in the sky that lights up a huge area for yep. soldiers to be able to see. Yep. Yeah, it would light up about a grid square, which is a kilometer by one kilometer, so yep. a thousand meters squared. Yep. And like the little loom rounds have these little parachutes and then sit in there for like thirty seconds or whatever. Gotcha. So we we do that sort of stuff yep. for at night to deny enemy terrain. Yep. Um, you know those kind of things, presence. That, that type of shit sure um, 
and then as much as I could, I would jump on the patrols and sure. get out in the valley. Yeah, I'd yeah. go out with snipers up yep. in the hides, yep. um, just carry extra gear. Like constantly, I was just a pest man, chomping to Always. get out on extra patrols and do yeah, extra yeah. stuff. Um, and every time I couldn't get out, I was so devo. And, and that, that actually affected me quite a lot, to be honest. And sure. I didn't realize later because I just felt like, I actually felt like a bit of a coward because I'm like, sure. I didn't get to get out and do a lot yeah. of these things. Like, I'm just, you know, I, f- I felt like a bit of a, not a burden, but I was like, I didn't feel like the real deal. Yep. And I got out a fair bit. Bit of imposter syndrome. Yeah, big time, man. I yeah. was like, I'm just the fucking mortar wannabe guy that's trying to hang out with the other cool guys that are on their patrols or whatever. And there was a couple of contacts I missed out on and stuff. Yep. And, um, but like again, I tried to get involved in as many things as I possibly could. Um, but do you think that's a pretty um, common thing for soldiers? I think so. I think it is. Yeah. Because it's that sort of... And you're in amongst a whole lot of alpha males and females. It's people who've joined to do those jobs. You've done all the training. You've gone through it together. And it's something that... Um, I talk about often, and we actually talked about last night, that when people talk about, I haven't done much or whatever, and I hear that a lot from people, you know, soldiers or police, or and certainly is, is my opinion of my own career, and you go, but the actual courage in those jobs is signing the dotted line to join that organisation, knowing going overseas and doing your job or in the police being in you know, violence is a very real possibility, and it's sort of almost a lottery as to whether you get that or not. And in a lot of personalities, I think like yours or mine or other people like us, if you don't get that lottery to be in that violence and you almost feel like you missed out and that's where you have that imposter syndrome, like, oh, I didn't fucking really do anything. Yeah. A lot of other dudes did more things than me. Yeah. And that resonate pretty hard for you? Yeah, big time, man. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I got to do a few interesting things like patch up some wounded guys and, um, you know, saw some cool stuff out on patrols and, um, you know, been indirected in my career and couple of things that happened in Iraq and stuff that I thought were kind of pretty cool yep and I I'm really hesitant to tell those stories because sure. I'm like ah oh, like my war story is not that cool and it's that whole and again we've talked about this before about you know books and different things that people write and you go there's those sort of the books that people write and go hey I was surrounded by 20 guys and I took them all out with a razor blade because that was who I was and guys do amazing stuff don't get me wrong but then there's almost this unrealistic expectation from people who did your job or do your job when and I speak to young guys all the time and they're like, if they don't get to do that thing that you know one in 5,000 people might do or one in a thousand people might actually get into a super hectic situation like that yeah the other 999 go well I don't really deserve any kudos because I didn't do that thing yeah and for me like I relate it back to the Pareto principle the 80-20 rule sure so like 80% of the work gets done by the 20% of the of the input absolutely and it's you know and then you can continuously apply Pareto 80% of that 20% is done by the top 20% of the top 20% and yeah. so on and so forth yeah so even it would even be the same so imagine the whole army tw- only 20% of combat roles 20% of those combat roles do the job yep 20% of that is SF and then even in that 20% of the SF yeah are the guys that are the first guy on the door yeah. shoot the guy in the face just happens to be the guy that kill 10 dudes like the guy that's on th- and my terminology will be off but just happens to be the guy they go right oh, we need 12 guys to do this job we've got 18 guys so we'll take these guys and you just happen to be the guy that his name isn't on the roster or you you know you're in the toilet when they go who wants to go and you're like oh fuck I didn't get to go yeah. like it's there's so much chance in it 
yeah it, it can just be luck of the draw man yeah, yeah. but I, I used to i really beat myself up about it um and I, I was keeping a diary at that time and i and I, i've actually read that diary and I, i've read it and, and looked at it and gone wow man my opinion of myself back at that time was so horrendous yeah like i was fully just like i'm ashamed of yeah. myself and you know i fucking don't deserve to be here and and that's why I was saying before, I think that was kind of the start of some of my dep- depress- depression sure. yeah. and some of those negative, uh, the way I look at myself and have looked at myself for a long time until kind of recently. Um, and yeah. it's so common, mate. Yeah. The thing that, and and I'm sure you're experiencing this as you're starting to tell this story more and do things more, you know, there's a bit of a fair bit of emotion on your face as we're talking about that, right? Because yeah. you go... That's re- you know we love being funny and, and making all the jokes, but I can see you've got tears in your eyes. You're pretty emotional about that, yeah. Because it's a, uh, but it's so fucking normal. There's so many young men that go through exactly the same thing, but again, no one talks about it. Yeah. So you think you're the only guy, and I'm sure there's a heap of other guys who went through exactly that same experience. And, and, and like you know, I ref- I reflect on that now, and it means more to me now than it did back then. Explain that. Like I, I look at it with a bit of a different perspective now. Like back then, I was just like, nah, I'm just a piece of shit, you know, I fucking don't deserve to be here, I'm not a fucking hero, blah, 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 blah. But now I look back and and I'm like, you were were still in that situation, like, you know, what happened, happened. You just have to accept it. Yeah. And, And take it for what it's worth. And that 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 was that's been a big realization for me for kind sure. of recently is I did what I did and I didn't do what I didn't do. Yeah. And I've just got to be comfortable with that. And it's that thing of going and all you know, like I'm freaking nearly twenty years older than you and having gone through that very, very similar experience with policing and then getting to a stage now, it's it's taken me this long to go, you know, I'm really fucking proud of what I did in the police and I'm really proud of my career. And you know, I'm um it's something that I will forever be extremely grateful for, but for many years it was a very similar feeling of going, oh, I was pretty fucking shit. I was useless, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And you go, I think a lot of, and this sounds super arrogant to call myself this, but I go, a lot of people who are high performers have that exact fucking experience because you have extremely high standards set for yourself, athletes, business people, people I talk to all the time have exactly this experience. Yeah. But again, no one fucking talks about it. So we all think we're the only person going through it. If you had a known at 22 when you did your first trip and you're over there and there you know maybe you had a guy who was fucking your age now 10 years older who's like hey bro just be aware this is shit that happens to guys all the time we come over here we're trying to do this shit and then you might think like you're a fuckwit or there's that open communication a bit of that emotional vulnerability which is not something that alpha personalities do well where you feel as though you can go to one of those people and it's a very it's good in theory it doesn't happen in practice where you could go and go hey I feel like a bit of a fucking shit human that I'm not doing what I should be doing and I feel like I'm a failure and I'm a coward and they go, mate, absolutely normal. And they go, hey, Billy, come over here. Tell Tom, what. Uh, how do you feel about shit? Oh, oh, mate, yeah, fuck my first trip. Same thing. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's a normal thing. Yeah. But we don't talk about that stuff. And and, and I think the detail is important. Absolutely. Because <clears throat> like we said this, again this morning at the cafe when we yeah. like and I, we're really going down the mental health rabbit warren here but, but I think that's really good mate. yeah it's yeah it's I mean that's because that's, that's what the basis of what you're doing is about right well I mean I'm not the I'm dog not training to... you love and all that stuff you love but it's also about impacting people and helping people yeah that's uh, what this, the podcast about and like war stories are cool but like they only go so far fuck yeah and they're not as relatable as nah. like you know I mean someone might look at me and go oh Tom X2 Commando dude he's awesome yeah I could never be as good as Tom sure but then 
if if I'm honest and open and vulnerable about the way that I really am, then I, I, th- I think that I'm more relatable because I, I hate being put in a pedestal, man. For sure. I'm, I'm like, that, dude, yeah. I'm not that guy. Like, You are an extremely, in my, all our sarcastic humor side, you are a very, very humble guy and extremely emotionally con- connected young dude for 33 years of age. Like, it's amazing. And that's a pretty rare thing at any age. I think it's a very rare thing at your age. And you get to a point where, you know, again, I don't want to keep pulling back to me with, because I love attention. It's that whole, um, you know, every time I'm, I was at, you know, we were talking about this before and I got a couple of messages from guys. I was at a, at a particular tactical unit doing some um, talks, yet doing a talk yesterday and I've got two or three messages from these dudes like, I thought that was going to be a fucking shit, another shit talk on some idiot about mental health and I thought you were going to be a cockhead and fuck, I related to your story, everything you said, it's like you're writing my story because I don't talk about gunfighting hero stories I talk about fuck I was struggling I was going to kill myself and blah 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 Yeah, and I think absolutely like that's the stuff that when you're open and honest about that and I don't see a lot of people doing that I see like we talked about the cafe this morning I see a lot of people go hey yeah I was a pretty hell warfighter or pipe hitter and I did this thing and that thing and that thing and that thing and then I got PTSD but now I'm good and that's sort of the whole thing where to me what I love and even as we're going through this we did no preparation there's no questions I don't know what the fuck where we're going to go I keep catching myself going how far in are we and I'm like who gives a shit because if it's a five hour podcast that you put out three lights but you impact one guy out there who's like holy fuck that's me yeah then it's time well invested right so uh, so as you're in that trip over you're in Afghan and you're going through those thoughts and that sort of stuff like did it spiral did you get under control how did you sort of manage it um, I, to be honest, I don't remember. I only remember certain things about my mind state when I was sure. over there. Um, definitely very relieved to get back, and I, and I was still always chomping at the bit to get out. Yep. Um, man, I actually don't really remember how I coped in particular, any particular strategies I used. I think I just went through the motions, man. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like train hard, PT, do what you can. Yeah. Keep yeah. yourself busy. Pretty, pretty down on myself, but like trying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then same thing as the rest of my life, man. I was always sitting around going, oh, this is fucking bullshit. Why are we doing this? We should be sure. doing that. Yeah, this yeah. fucking stupid rule, da-da-da-da. 100%. Um, Do you think you're someone who deals well with authority? <laughs> exactly. It's a pretty normal thing, right? Yeah. Hence why Origin K9 has got a staff of two and you're the boss. And, it's totally two, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? But totally understand it. But yeah. again, that's knowing who you are. Yeah, and, and I hate being that guy too. I don't even want to be that the boss that, yeah I don't like being the boss like sure you know my, my, my team member and I call her a team member because yeah. I don't like calling her an employee yeah sure because it makes it sound like she's below me but 100%. she's not no, like not we, we're working on the same yeah. thing you know it's it's a team we're working in the same direction like we just have different jobs that's that's all we do for sure even yeah. to the point I've got this like an organizational chart yeah and the way purely the layout of the page my name's at the top and hers is on the bottom and sure. I'm like oh, I wonder if I can like Put the page on, on landscape and we're yeah. next to each other sort which of thing. Which is cool. And, which is awesome. Yeah. Because like, she's in charge of making epic gear and you're in charge of putting fake glasses on and doing Instagram videos. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Not, not fake glasses, Sean. Come on. <laughs> so, Wait, uh, where's, the, where's the pool? Come on, edit this fucking so, <laughs> Well, they're blue blockers, which obviously at 10 a.m. in the morning are really important. Yeah. So when you are, so you get back here, I reckon let's push forward a bit. Um, is there much interesting shit happens between there and when you decide to go to SF or? 
yeah, mate, I was off the rails when I when I came back. Right. I didn't realise it at the time. Awesome. And again, yeah. that was a, a stress thing. Sure. So off the rails in what? Oh, I was just sinking piss like no tomorrow, sure. man. Just like... like... You're a guy that... Would you go out on the piss, go mad, get in fights with people? Or were you not so much that guy? Um, yeah, kind of, man. I was, I was always a happy, funny yeah. drunk. Gotcha. But so like, there wasn't an anger that would come out at some stage? Nah, my anger would come out in different ways. Anger would come out in towards the military. Yeah, sure. Uh, it would come out like lashing out at authority. Yep. Uh, arguing with my wife. Sure. Oh, then then uh, girlfriend. Um, driving was a huge one for me. Like road rage? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was sure. just so disgruntled, like, the world's unfair everything's fucked this is bullshit it should be this way sure that's that was my mentality very immature mentality sure um, do, you, do you look back then i don't want to put words in your mouth again but my opinion is extreme anger always masks deep sadness would you can you relate to that or do you think it was different i think so man yeah and i like the anger was masking something sure and, I, and like i did some work with some psychologists later around like primary and secondary emotions and yep. i mean i've forgotten the order i think um anger was like your secondary emotion then your primary was like your real one sure so you look at a situation and you go so like yes the emotion is anger that's the the behavior excuse me so to speak but what's the real reason behind it yeah and I think a lot of mine was fear. Sure. It was yep. fear about being judged, fear yep. that I would fuck something up, yep. um, fear that I would look stupid. The imposter syndrome stuff again. Yeah. And it would it would make me not want to try at things sure. and not put in effort. Sure. So my, I, I always had this mentality that, that if I wasn't naturally gifted and good at something, it didn't come straight away. Right. I wouldn't do it. So that's the opposite of what you're like now, I would uh, think. Yeah. Now I'm like, I've realized that and I'm like, oh, I've got to work on this stuff. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, I still go, there's certain things that I'm naturally good at and I'll I'll enhance those things. Sure. And I'll use that because I'm good at it. Why, why would I not? But there's other things that I enjoy doing now. Like, you know, I'll play drums. Yep. Um, I paint those little model figure, <laughs> model figurines and yeah, stuff. Yeah, which isn't weird at all. I think it's, nah, it's very manly cool. and normal. Super cool. Every man should do it. Yeah, I'm not sure of it. Yeah, um, but like those little things I do now. Yeah, and I spend the time to get the basics right. Sure. Like with my drumming, I just sit there doing hand rudiments. Yep. I work on my foot control. Yep. Um, I do real basic, which is very much against your ADD million miles an hour personality. It is, and that's why I do why it. Why you do it? It makes me have to concentrate it makes me have to be systematic yeah makes me it's it's almost meditative sure for me i and because I, I need i'm either laser focused or i'm off with the fairies trying Lazy to build a tree fun. house then i'm chasing the butterfly then i'm yeah, trying to do a backflip and and do you so when it comes to you and we'll, we'll obviously get to the mental health and depression and all that stuff but you've dragged yourself out of that to quite an extent you're like you you're pretty happy and obviously yep. you know manage stuff which which we all do did you again was that something from that personality of oh, if i'm not good at it i don't do it that you just ignored that mental health reaction anger all those things for a long time until it culminated or was it a at, at, as a young guy did you think oh fuck i need to do something or was it just everyone else's fault i'm surrounded by assholes that's why i'm angry it was everyone else's fault yeah 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 if if only the army didn't have bullshit rules 
if only they'd listen to me, yeah, this would be a fucking epic job. Yeah, it wouldn't. Then I wouldn't be feeling this way. Like, yeah, and like, so I always had me. this obsession with having a beard my whole career. Oh, okay. I yep. hated shaving. Yeah, fucking bullshit. You have to shave. Blah blah blah. Is and that because you think you've got such boyish features? Boyish good looks? No, I didn't say good looks. <laughs> mm. well, like mm. I legit thought I had a weak chin. Oh, <laughs> did you? Yeah. Come. And because, <laughs> and awesome. I thought I had a big nose and a yeah, beard so would hide fun. my big nose and make my jaw look bigger and yeah, just really superficial vein things like that. Sure. That so like, no which is a body dysmorphia thing, right? Like in a lot of ways. Yeah. Which, maybe. which, in which a way. I think, and that's again something guys don't talk about. Like we all. Like I certainly train out of pure vanity because I want to look fit and hard, and I don't want to look too skinny and little and and look like someone could beat me up. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what's the function? You're not like I'm gonna train for a fight now or the cops. No. You just like it's gonna yeah. look good. Yeah. But um, like, cause I had acne when I was a teenager, for yeah. example, and that I was always really self conscious about that, sure. and that fed into the beard thing because I was like, a beard yeah. would hide, yeah, any pimples that I've got, yeah. or um, you know, if when I get a cold like I was saying I've got a you know I just recovered from couple, uh, from COVID that's why my voice is all fucked up mm. when I have a cold and I blow my nose a lot my face goes really pale but my nose goes really red yep. and, I, and I feel really self-conscious about it yeah, great. so I'm like for me I'm like a beard helps hide you know my splotchy skin or makes yeah. me not look like I have pimples or whatever so that was always my so it's the whole the insecurity which and I think it's awesome you're so honest about that stuff mate because again I think it's very normal that um your answer to that is get a beard the army doesn't let me get that they're fucking assholes blah 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 so the fact you have insecurities about your looks yeah. is the army's fault because they don't let you mask it yeah yeah stupid rule and, and when I you just... say it like that sounds stupid but in your head you're like fuck yeah it makes perfect sense what are you doing yeah I mean well I kind of wear a beard there's no reason against it yeah. and I, mate, I was always fighting the system yeah always and, and it, probably and like... winning a lot because that normally works right uh... that... <laughs> That's sarcasm. Yeah. Because it never works, <laughs> right? Like, ah, so you just keep smashing against the door you can never open, stresses the fuck out of you. Yep. And again, put stress in that bucket for no... Like it is literally like bashing your head against a wall. Yep. It's never going to change. Yep. But we all do it. Yep. Crazy. But just just fighting the system. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you're pretty loose. You're out on the piss all the time, doing silly stuff. Yeah. Uh, and my, my missus at the time was... She sort of brought that to my attention. Sure. Um, and was like, you've got to fucking control yourself yeah and I, I even had like an anxiety attack one night when I was out on the piss yep um, and my missus was um, was calling me and I, and she like drove down to Coogee where I was uh -huh. and was like trying to find me and, and I had this fucking panic attack anxiety attack and gotcha and that was when I was a bit like and I've forgotten what brought it on to be honest sure but yeah, it, it that was kind of one of those times early when I was like, oh, maybe I don't know, maybe there's something fucking going on here. And, and no doubt what brought that on was probably, you know, days of drinking piss, no sleep, shit, food, stress at work, other grief. And yeah. then you're literally, it is an anxiety attack as your body's like fight or flight system going, we are in fucking massive danger. We don't know what's causing it. We just generally panic. Yeah. Like it's that. And when you look at the lifestyle factors, which I think are freaking massive, but no one talks about again. You know, we go, you should sleep well and you should do whatever, but where nobody goes, because if you don't, that's just Tom's bubbly water. <laughs> then you feel as though... No alcoholic water. You know, we... People get into this place of, oh, I don't know why I'm so anxious or why I'm having panic attacks. You go, well, have a look at all the fucking foundational basics. So where you are now, and I know you don't drink, same as I don't, why we were smashing non-alcoholic beers last night. You eat well, you look after yourself. Do you have that same sort of anxiety attacks and stuff now, or you pretty much got that managed? 
Nah, I pretty much got that managed, man. Yep. Yeah. And like, I, I still experience normal emotions. 100%. Like, you know, I still get a bit anxious. Yeah. But I'm not like a panic attack dude. Yeah. And that, that only happened to me, like, literally a couple of times. Sure. Because I had, I had anxiety when I was a kid. Mm. I had this weird thing where I couldn't look people in the eye. Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe because I'm autistic, I don't know. Mm. But I couldn't look people in the eye. And if people talked to me, my face would go really red. Sure. And I would get super embarrassed. Yep. So then I was like, wow, man, my face goes really red. I get embarrassed. I won't look at people. So it just gets, it just like snowballs on itself. Yeah. 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 And, and I actually don't remember when that went away. Um, would have started when I was about 15. Oh, okay. So pretty like late. Yeah, like, pretty, yeah. Pretty not late, as a little man. kid, like as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it went away. I think it was like, honestly, I think it was like my early 20s, man. Yeah, for sure. Away. Yeah. But again, all that stuff's pretty common and, like I'm not going to go back to my stuff mine's not too similar like a lot of very similar things and yet at the time I was like I must be the only shit teenage guy that maybe it's we should a, just leave the lids off this public order that off. might be smarter <laughs> couple of geniuses um, which probably won't matter because I'm sure we'll get to the end of this and we haven't pressed record uh, so I think <laughs> mate so you're, so you're pretty destructive things are going bad like what um, what happens um, well I actually got married so I married my uh, childhood sweetheart um, and again, I won't drop her name on here just to. Sure. Do you think that bottle's going to fall? Because I'm looking at it. It doesn't look. <laughs> it doesn't look overly stable. But it's up to you, bro. I don't know, man. Just, I'm, I'm willing to risk it. Let's just wait and see what happens. I'm willing to risk it. Yeah. Sorry, mate. So you get married. Yeah, obviously you're not going to use names. I understand that. Yep. Yep. So I get married. Um, and that that was great. It was all good. Um, so if anyone's trying to find out if they Google ex Mrs Brown, that will narrow it down. That would uh, uh, probably not. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, right. Yep. So uh, got married. Did the honeymoon, all good. Um, came back, trained for selection. Oh, sorry. When I was at three, yep. Uh, after that trip, I had these epic runnings with the hierarchy. Yeah, right. Which I look back and still think is hilarious. Yeah. Like I told a bunch of people to get fucked to their face and like. <laughs> so you're like this 22, 23 year old absolute fucking nightmare. Oh mate. And you're like, talking to like majors, captains, whoever, and go like, get fucked. You don't know what you're doing. Literally. And they're looking at you like the majors, Jesus I was like, Christ. Just go shut fuck the yourself. fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it was funny. I still think it's funny, <laughs> and it was. And like they they were threatening to charge me. I never got charged. They never charged me for it. Nothing ever came out of it. Yeah. Like I told everyone from my platoon sergeant, platoon commander, uh, and the OC and the CSM of the company to get fucked. Because <laughs> they they were like, I was injured. I had a had surgery for inguinal hernia. Okay. So I couldn't fucking go anywhere. I couldn't lift any weights. Um, and they tried to make me go out field and I was supposed to be going to leave and they called me at like three in the morning and they were like, yeah, get your stuff and go in the truck. And I was like, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> they were like, bro, get your fucking stuff, get on the truck, you're going out field. And I was like, yeah, go fuck yourself. And they were like, <laughs> you fucking what? And I was like, go fuck yourself. I'm going to go back to my room. I'm going to lay my kid out and you can fucking... Put it back in the key store. I'm gone. I'm out of here, you fucking motherfuckers. Yeah, right. And I just fucking blew up. They read me the charge thing. And, you know, I look back again. I was just off the rails, man. Sure. Like, just fucking fighting against the system, fighting yeah, authority. So you were literally ready to just pull a pin, walk out of the army, jam it. Yeah. And yeah, so, so what happened? Um, they all went out field. I stayed behind. Um, was just getting out of the piss, just being loose with the mate of mine. Eating curries every night. Place called Masala. It's awesome. <laughs> Which me and this mate of mine, um, Matty Paul, we tried to go to every 
restaurant in Townsville in that period oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck up blew some money man uh, it was so oh good. and you're in Townsville Jesus yeah yeah it's Flinders Street East Mad Cow the bank you're going bad oh, all of the above yeah. yeah 100% there's something about the air and the water in Townsville that sends people mental I found when I went and lived there it was a heap of fun man yeah, oh, it's, a, yeah. it's a great place yep but um, anyway um, that's just sort of washed over and I end up putting my discharge in but that the sub-lieutenant the, the, the platoon commander at the yes. time Someone else told me that he went into the guard room one day, like all stressed, like, you know, hands on his head, like, yeah. oh man, I've got this digger. Oh, he no. fucking won't listen to anything I say. Oh. He's always fucking. So, how old is this dude? Probably 23 or 40. Oh, or mate, age. Honestly, like, couldn't be too much. Well. Yeah. yeah, couldn't be too much older than me. And was just like, God, this fucking nightmare of a digger. I don't know how to fucking deal with him. He doesn't listen to me. He's always telling me to fuck off and oh, stuff. No. And I took that as a massive badge of honor. I'm oh, like, for yes. sure. I'm yeah. like, I'm that awesome dude that's like just killing it. <laughs> but I was just like, <laughs> such a fuckwit. <laughs> and so anyway, I ended up putting my discharge in and yeah. they were like, <laughs> looking back, I'm like, yeah, probably a good idea. They there wasn't like, too many people going, Tom, please don't go. You're oh, amazing. Oh God, don't. We need you. Yeah, <laughs> we need you to overhaul the system. Yeah. They were like, yeah, recommend not come back to the yeah, army. See your buddy and allow back. And I was like, I hear your recommendation and I raise you my SF app in some trucker unit. So I put the SF app, got out. As soon as you left, you put the SF app in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you've left. They've I, recommended do not return. Your response is, so I'll go to SF. I was inactive. So I got out, handed my ID card back. Yeah. And I literally, like, I was out of the army. Yep. Like, I wasn't, like, in a reserve. I didn't get a posting to a reserve unit, nothing. Just gone. I literally jumped on the phone, called a reserve unit, and I was like, hey, bro, just got out of three, da-da-da-da. Like, can I come parade at your unit? Yeah, no worries, man. I'm like, look, might need to get reissued an ID card. I went in and, like, backdoored my way back into the army, so, got a new ID card and everything, and then put So you my- have to... So, because there was some direct entry SF at one point there wasn't direct entry then you had to still go back in through another unit no there was direct entry oh there was cool but that like I was beyond that like it I was didn't, too I didn't need to go through recruiting again yeah gotcha. so I just called up a reserve unit pretended I was still in the army and then literally got an ID card <laughs> reactivated my email and then I was back in the reserves <laughs> So and then put so my, you just so you circumvented all that not to return <laughs> yeah. problem child you just are like oh bro not sure what's happened I lost my ID get, yeah, get a oh, new it's, one it's crazy what about my email ring Oops. up the IT Oopsies. oh I'm back fully yeah yeah and then I just backed the wood back so it was just church. a whole put my SF app in just front a, up like you know what you're doing yeah and fake people, to make us sort of thing it, hey guys yeah fucking brilliant and then put, I'm Tom Brown might have heard of me I'm coming in <laughs> awesome. bit of a legend at three hour yeah no biggie you probably know you probably yeah. heard of me that re- redesigning the whole system based off of my complaints. <laughs> So then I put my SF app in and trained my ass off while I was laboring again for the same yep. company. So before. it's a lot like builders or? Yeah, just like just digging holes, mate, using sure. fucking power tools, that sort of stuff. Yep. Like no no school required. Yep. Um, which is pretty cool. Trained my ass off, lost a heap of weight, got real fit. Uh, did the Barry test, like the entry test, yep. smash it, pff, no biggie. Um, and then... The humility is one of your biggest strong points, isn't it? Modesty is my best quality. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed that. I, yeah, I, yeah. I invented that joke too. Yeah. <laughs> just, so, just then. Just then. So um, you use it this morning at breakfast. So, so you um, get through the barrier test. Get the barrier test, get on selection, pass selection. Uh, <laughs> my nickname on selection. <laughs> so for those who don't know, like my, my name's Tom Brown. 
My nickname was Tom Frown or Tom Clown. <laughs> because of your extreme... Because of my extreme emotional personality. instability. <laughs> mate, it was high highs, low lows, bro. I was just riding the roller coaster. That doesn't sound like you at all, mate. That's and weird. I, I didn't know that they called me that. Until one, of the day, one day I rocked up and they were like... They were like, hey, who we got today? Tom Frown. And the other guys on course. So who we got today? Tom Frown or Tom Clown? And that day I was Tom Frown and I was like, you fucking motherfuckers. Yeah, sure. But it like snapped me out of it because I was like, ah, it's pretty You're funny. Like, Fuck, they're pretty, they know me pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I ended so up good. using those um, like alter egos, so to speak, later on in yep. these psychology sessions that I sure. did about. Yep you know the way i handled myself emotionally because like overall i was i was an emotional overly emotional child for most of sure. my life yeah right? yeah up until yeah. like yesterday maybe. like yeah, <laughs> right now up until now yeah, yeah sure finally a man i reckon until i honestly i don't reckon i started actually maturing slowly until i was about 28 mate and i've i actually um mate i was well into my 40s at 52 now I'm sure I look back in 10 years and go oh now I've got there because I think it's an ever evolving thing but I absolutely believe most men many men never emotionally mature most men only start to do it in probably where you are now in their mid 30s and that's sort of the experience I have as I talk to young dudes and then you know talk to you and 10 years time when you're in your early 40s you're probably like oh bro remember when we did that podcast and I thought I was emotionally mature what a fucking spastic because you just don't we don't you don't know what you don't know, right? Well, you have to pressure test. Totally. All your theories, ideas about life. Yeah. You need to have lots of different experiences. Absolutely. You've got to fuck it up. And have some self-awareness, right? If well, if you're not self-aware, like if you don't, if you can't reflect on it and either fix it, take something out of it, it's just, you know, it's just a cool story. So when you go, yeah, absolutely. So you, you go through selection. So for people who aren't military, how long is the selection course? So... Selection course for two commando uh, at that time, we did. It was about a twelve day, like actual selection. Yeah. So that's the no sleep. Yeah, there's know. food and sleep deprivation, yeah. physically right, yeah. horrendous activities. So your typical sort of Navy SEAL movies, Delta Force, SF, the the, yeah. the standard sort of gear, yell um, at you, push that. you hard, blah blah blah. Yeah, yep. imagine all that sort of stuff, yep. right? So that's kind of how that was. And I was, you know, middle of the pack, average sort of performer. Yeah. Um, Funny then, guy, like really funny guy. Like super hilarious. So like everyone yeah. used to rely on me a lot for yeah, Mariah, for obviously. That. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> Tom yeah, yeah, for sure. Tom Clown. Yeah. I still think it's Tom fucking Fred. genius. That's, that's absolutely it's brilliant. genius. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and um, so you did that bit, the selection part, and then yep. the next part, I think it was called CMAT, Commando Movements and Tactics, uh-huh. uh, which was like another four weeks yep. of essentially the same shit yep. like a bit of learning theory chucked yep. in there like infantry yep. minor tactics so the first the first how many how long did you say 16 days or something 12 no. I think it was about 12, 12 days, days so the roughly. first 12 days is pretty much pressure testing your resolve and seeing if you'll break and quit yep then the next four weeks is some basic skills weapon skills and different things yep yeah you yep. get taught the M4 yep. how to move in a team some yep. of the commando tactics yep. R- real basic yep foundational sort of just stuff just to see there. if you've got any sort of natural adapt- uh, uh, adaptability well, to that it was all largely the same as what you would do in the infantry. Sure. It was just basic land warfare, sure. maneuver, groups, that, that type of stuff. Yep. Throw in a couple of little SF funnies here and there. Yep. 
that was basically what it was. But it was still fairly horrendous, though. Like, it was still, there wasn't a lot of sleep going on. Sure. We weren't doing any food deprivation. And that's back to back? The 12 days straight? Oh, yeah. Four weeks? Were, I think yeah. we had, I think we had like a day rest. Yeah. Like, we so, still didn't have our phones and that. Yeah. So you're essentially six weeks into a pretty brutal um, course. And like, so how many yeah. dudes would have started the first day? Ah, fuck, man. I think the first day we had a hundred and. I'm going to pluck this out of my ass. Yeah. It's definitely over 100. Yep. Definitely over 110. I think it was about 130. And by the time you get to the end of that six-week-ish process, how many left? Six After the six weeks, oh, maybe down to 40. Yeah. Maybe. Sure. So you've knocked out Heaps. 70 or 80%, like 70% or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the time we got I to the end of the ring, either. I'm glad, I'm glad I say 70, you just nod and we're probably knowing you. I'm like, right, I don't know. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've knocked out heaps. Yep, cool. Then Four you go out of three statistics you, are made up anyway. Go, yeah. I get 95% of 100% of my statistics are bullshit. So if you go straight into um, Rio cycle off that. Yep. So what's that? That's that? like you. Yeah, what's a full word? When you say Rio. The reinforcement cycle. Reinforcement cycle. Yeah, so that's like your basic power course, uh, your roping, uh, urban, close quarter battle, or sorry, advanced close quarter battle. Uh, what else was there? There's like uh, breaching explosives, uh, some, I think there was some drive stuff. And how long was that going for? Amphibious stuff. That was about 10 months. Yeah. I think about 10 months, yeah. And, and at any stage, you can wash out of the process during Rio as well, right? It's Any it's, stage. It's, yeah. an assess- it's still an assessment training course. You're not in the into commando at that stage yeah yeah cool. there's, there's no there's no bezer on your head you're yep. just a trainee yeah cool. still wear your number like they they change their tact a lot yeah sure like you know you, you get punished every now and then it but it becomes not... more adult learning rather than trying to smash you yeah you're not yep. just getting pumped all the time sure every now and then yeah they're like sure. lay a fucking smack down yep um but i, I actually almost bummed out of that because i yep. was on the roping course and I still to this day don't think that I deserved it. Right. But one dude just honed in on me on okay. that course. Yep. I don't know why. I hadn't actually fucked anything up until that point. He might be friends with your old section commander. Yeah, he'd probably just seen me for five minutes and gone, these guys are fucking spastic. Yeah, for sure. But he really honed in on me and yep. I, they started putting the heats on me. Gotcha. So roping, man. Oh, God. I so like, were you a smart ass? In that through that course, yeah, still, yep. like, still was like can, still making yourself a target. Oh, big time, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're not the grey man who's in the back going, "I'm going to work out and shut <sighs> the fuck up." Bro, I've never been a grey man. No, exactly. Never. I've tried to be, but I'm so not. a lot of other dudes on that Rio and everything would have been like, "Thank fuck, Tom's here because they're focusing on him and not me." I took the heat a lot, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I almost legit failed the roping course because yeah. I was just so, and because they were, you know, I was already stressed. They were putting the heats on. Sure, I didn't have a, a natural inclination. Inclination. Bleh towards roping to jumping off structures and things yeah well like the, the technical aspect of the yeah. roping like I could do it no drama sure. but I wouldn't I could go backwards off the building and yeah. that didn't bother me I was still peeking but I, I could do it and yep. function but the actual technical aspect of the roping did not come naturally to me gotcha and I did not practice extra yeah because right. again I had that mentality like I do what I'm naturally good at and I don't practice yeah, to make myself better totally yep so that's how yep. I got through the reinforcement cycle yeah. through the my natural ability to to do certain things yep and then at certain times that came undone like with roping i was just i just didn't have a natural knack for it yeah sure and i was shit at it and i almost like fucking choked myself out a bunch of times doing and were you like going into sf because we skipped over that a little bit like were you a were you as obsessive about wanting to get an sf as you were to get in the army in the first place even more yeah even more obsessive yep. yeah so you're like fuck i want this more than anything 
I don't yep. care what it takes. I'll burn the world to the ground to get it. Yep. But then you get on there and you go, yeah, I couldn't be fucked doing roping. It's not really my thing. Yep. So it's a real dichotomy of, of attitudes where in one part of your brain, you're like, fuck, I want this more than anything. You want to do shit you don't like? Yeah, not so much. Well, for example, like the way that I, the, the obsession that I put into getting into Two Commando was my fitness. Yeah, right. Uh, and I, like I enjoyed the fitness part, so, so I put the work in that. for that. Yeah, I did not enjoy roping, so I did not put the work in for that. Yeah, so like I w- I still had that mentality. I reckon sure do what I'm good at, do and the, like the work I put in was because I enjoyed it. Are you still like that? Mm, yeah, I'd say so. But manage it better. Yeah, like like you know, in my business now, for example, the the, the, the some of the planning stuff, the strategy, the financial things. I put, a, I put a bit more effort into sure. that. It's, I'm still struggle with it. Yeah, sure. I still struggle. Because you are a very shoot from the hip, fly by the seat of your pants person, right? Big time, man. Yeah. And it, it can serve me well at times. Yeah, for sure. But I've just got to learn to... Well, like coming like, into this podcast with no structure and it's just and it's hilarious <laughs> so far. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I can naturally sit here and talk about myself all day because <laughs> I, sure. I lived it and yeah. I, I don't need to think about it or practice yeah. it. Yeah. But like if we were to come on here and talk about you know a particular topic... I'd probably struggle sure. and I'd, I'd need to take a bunch of notes. Like sure. I'm not sitting here with notes sitting around nah. me. Nah. Um, I'm just sitting here drinking water and like... Giggling. Yeah, just being silly. <laughs> so you get through Rio, get through the Rio cycle. Get through the Rio cycle, got the Grand Bazaar, um, posted into Delta Company, which is uh, back then the Punishers. Uh, and I think the day we posted in was the Link Cafe siege all right and delta company had just rotated onto tag the tactical assault group yep east which was the east coast um counterterrorism yeah unit like a military solution to uh, to put in a very broad based terms you have police tactical groups who handle seat counterterrorism on the ground the stranford police new south wales police for the lint cafe siege if it gets bad enough and you need a larger force or different skills or it needs to probably step up a level maybe depending on who you talk to then two commando tag east coming to that on the east coast and the SASR do it on the west coast. Yep. Yeah, yeah pretty Perfect. much. Like the 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 SAS guys, the SAS guys had tag west from uh, could I could butcher this, the eighties. Yep. I think. Yep. Definitely in the nineties. Yep. Um so they'd been doing tag for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh and then yeah, we raised the capability at for RAR, what two commando yep. was previously. Yes in like the late 90s gotcha. early 2000s and so you so you land in the unit on on the day of the link cafe siege when you land there for people who don't understand and i don't understand this do you land there and you're ready to go like are you good to go get up and roll or is there still a shitload of training to do no you're not you're not ready um particularly for tag you've got to um like you've got to certify it's like anything sure. else um you need to get your skills ticked off on yeah th- there's certain competencies that sure you either aren't proficient enough in yep. like uh, breaching, driving, whatever, sure, whatever, and there's like administrative bureaucratic things that you need to tick off as Which well. Which are like legislative things to work within federal legislation to operate in home soil, that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure. yeah. There, there'd be lots of layers of planning, of and legal protection, things. legal, all that sort yeah, of shit. Sure. Right? So we you, just had you don't a, just land, go, woo, let's go out and do our job. Yeah, yeah. For sure. It's not like ninety five percent of what you do in the military is administrative, probably, isn't it? Uh, same as policing same as all like there's a whole lot of rules around stuff that yeah. guys like you and I go fuck I don't want to do that shit 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there's a lot if of that If you had your stuff. way, you would have landed Lint Cafe Siege, kitted up and gone, let's go handle this shit. I would have fucking flown the helicopter into the <laughs> building. Like, yeah, sure. It was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so worth it. Yeah. Everyone's dead, but so's the terrorist. Woo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so you yeah. land on the day to Lint Cafe Siege, big day. Yeah, so we, like I was driving into work that day, heard on the radio that sure. it, all, it all kicked off and, and whatever. Um, and, and Delta Company was on. So for people who don't know, there was a gentleman who was a, uh, well, gentleman's probably the wrong term. There was a piece of shit who was a nicest sympathiser in Australia who had um, been on the radar of some of the federal agencies at, at a low level and he decided to go into a cafe in the middle of the CBD of Sydney, biggest city in Australia, and take a bunch of people hostage. Yep, yep. And then uh, the the cops, He, I think he ended up executing one of the hostages. Um, I think he was about to, or I think, yeah, I can't remember. I think he did or is about to and initiated a emergency action breach by the police tactical unit. They went in and there was... Uh, they took the bad guy out and there was one of the uh, other innocents was wounded in the exchange, unfortunately, and a couple of people passed away. Yeah. Pretty difficult thing. Yeah, so I was driving to work and I heard that in the radio and I was like, wow, that's fucking hectic. Yeah. Um, but the like the guys had obviously, and, and this is common knowledge, it was on the news. Yeah. I don't, I don't go into details because I don't fucking know what I can say or not say, but sure. um, the guys um, were like prepared and whatnot. Um, to, to rock and roll, yeah. To a degree, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think some of the stuff you can't talk about is like the, the level of preparedness and sure. that type of shit. So um, anyway, yeah, got to work and that was how the, we sort of kicked it off and that all, that just kind of went away. Like it was, sure. there was I, I imagine the guys who were there and whatnot would have debriefed and you know, whatever. Yeah. And then we just went on to tag and started training and yep. I was a breacher. Um, I was so pumped to be there. So pumped. Just, oh man, I was like. And how old are you at this stage? 24 yeah wow I think yeah so pretty awesome. young yeah pretty still young, young. Pretty young young and dumb yeah, yeah about 24 and then um, uh, just I was just having the best time like rocking up the tag like shooting blowing things up hanging with these awesome dudes that sure. I'd seen on like yeah like helmet cam footage and stuff and yeah. I'm like oh that guy in that video that I used to watch yeah he's my team commander now so like, it's like being a young kid playing local footy and then you get into the the AFL team or the NRL team and you're like, holy yeah. fuck, I'm surrounded by these superstars. This is epic. Yeah, it was like being on the same team as, as your heroes. It was so cool, man. I fucking, I just loved it. I frothed over it. And was that another sort of, once I get there, I'll be really happy drive? Yeah. And when you got there, was that the case? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Like I, I made a very good impression initially. Yep. Because I, I worked pretty hard. And then um, as we've everything I do <laughs> the cracks started to appear like I I, I kind of rubbed guys the wrong way because I ran in like certain dudes sure I was a, I think I was a bit polarising in that unit people either, either loved me or fucking hated me yep because um, I was again I was super fucking loose man like I was sure. always trying to get out of the piss and always trying to organise social events yeah always trying to be funny I wanted everyone to like me yeah and that's just so you're in briefings you're in whatever and people say stuff you're the smart ass in the back of the room throwing out comments and yeah going like ha huh. Yeah, and then everyone looks at me, and I'm like, "Oh, sorry, sorry." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thinking yeah, I'm yeah. funny, and then some guys loved it, some guys hated sure. it. Sure, right? They were just like this fucking loud mouth new dude. Sure, shut up, blah, blah, blah. Shut and other up, guys are just like, "Oh, I love this new guy. He's so funny. Sure. He's awesome." Yeah. Um, and obviously, I was technically competent in the job, and I was yep. super enthusiastic and fit and whatever. So, do you think the cracks appear because you get in there and go, "Fuck, this didn't solve all my problems. I thought it would." Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And then when I started to go. Uh, things weren't quite what I thought they were I started to lose interest to be honest sure and I started to not try with certain things yep. uh, 
started uh, i just i was just a loose unit back sure. then man i was still yep. getting out of the piss heaps just yeah. like quite self-destructive yep sort of behaviors um still still married uh you know the relate there was how was that going there was some strain in the relationship sure. because i was quite neglectful i was just thinking about i was very selfish sure I was always thinking about myself and how I looked and it was very ego driven and sure. I'm in two commando and I'm awesome. Yep. That sort of stuff. Why so, don't you worship me and just let me do what I want to do? Yeah. Sure. Er- everything's holding me back. If only. Like, what are you doing? I'm at work. I'm a superstar. I'm kicking doors and I come home and I've got to what? Wash the dishes. Are you insane? Yeah. Is it with that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was a superstar, man. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we did another trip in 2016 uh, to Iraq. Yep. And that was when the whole ISIS... Yeah, sure. Sort of thing was going on. So I did that trip. That was kind of fun. So on that trip, um, we were mentoring the Iraqi army. Us specifically, we were working with the, uh, I think it was called CTS at the time, Counterterrorism Service, which is like those guys that were um, all dressed in black. You'd probably see a lot of the Iraq ISIS war photos are of those guys. They so were, they're Iraqi. Iraqi, yeah. Yeah, Iraqi yeah. CT. So they were like pretty much some of the only guys that were like taking the fight to ISIS. And were they like an Iraqi special forces military? They, they, was, they, they were like the SF equivalent. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. But uh, with, you guys without, without the special part. Sure. So yeah, we were just training those guys. Um, we weren't accompanying them on missions, but we would support them with like air support. Sure. That type of stuff. So you're sending them out. So it wasn't like you guys are integrating into teams and going to do jobs with them you train them up they'd go out do jobs but yeah you'd send some other support yeah we, we weren't like out kicking doors with them or anything um, obviously we're always like begging to go out and sure but it wasn't like that it wasn't like afghanistan it was they were just like it was a bit of a token effort you know for, okay. for, the, for the coalition so it was, i think it was a bit of a, like a, a face saving exercise but it was like a hey australia's here too sure because i think at that time we were the second biggest contributor behind the US yeah right so we were a huge contributor in Iraq like, yeah yeah. we had a bunch of assets over there obviously us the regular guys because um, a lot of the attention had gone to Afghanistan pre that yep. after the fall of Saddam and then like over that 10 year period ISIS got a foothold while we were looking at Afghanistan is that a sort of uh, kind of I think it was very similar to what happened in the, the beginning of the Iraq war like 2003 they disbanded all the police and military units and then those guys that left there was that sectarian violence like yes. the Sunni yep. versus Shia sort of stuff Yep. so they all split off and started forming their own groups so they essentially disbanded military police you know National Guard all those things from or the Royal National Guard whatever it was called from the Iraqis and those dudes are like I haven't got a job so they go oh, I'll go fight with these guys yeah I think that was the, the same sort of situation so they, they just you know split up into little extremist groups and ISIS for whatever reason was the one that sort of came out on top at the end there uh-huh. especially after the US left Iraq yep. left a vacuum yep left left a power vacuum exactly so they just started uh, cutting around the country just fucking murdering people and, and just doing hectic shit and then took over and then obviously we got involved again um, so then we went over there dropping bombs on dudes and helping the Iraqis training and whatever so when so when you're standing up that or training that Iraqi SF force I would imagine their selection isn't too intense or whatever pretty much <laughs> Mate, so pretty much even, dudes dudes I, turn up and go 
I'll do it. And they go, whoo, come in. I pretty much think that was it. It yeah. was like they just got a cardboard box full of hats and go, get your hats, come get your CTS yeah, Arani sure. hats. So you guys turn up, you're a very mil- like a very military, a very professional military, military unit. You guys turn up ready to rock and roll. You're going to train these guys. Are you sort of there like, what the fuck? Yeah, um, and they didn't take to... Like, that That Arab culture is very different sure. to ours. It's very like, inshallah, like if it's meant to be, it'll be sort of thing. So they're not too... They're not overly concerned about tactics or safety or where your muzzle's pointing. It's just like, hey, no. let's go nuts, see what happens. Yeah, pr- pretty much, right? And like, we, we used to go through some, you know, like technically competent CQB training with them. Yep. And so, they, some of them were great. Majority were fucking shit. CQB, close quarters battle. Close so quarters battle, yeah. Going through structures, buildings, clearing rooms. Yep. Like yep. finding internal to a stronghold, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, like it was interesting working with those guys because they were fucking super arrogant. But at the same time, didn't realise that their arrogance is the thing that was going to get them killed in the battlefield. Sure. But like they would do really dumb shit. Like we heard these stories about guys, and I don't know if it was CTS, but like guys on the front line, like not having a picket, like a, a guard watch yep. duty at night, everyone just like going to sleep, like literally the front <laughs> on the front lines, like in the, you know, the next building is ISIS. And they and just comes through at night and just fucking and kills just them all. Yeah. Because just, out of the arrogance of going, they wouldn't dare come and attack us. Maybe it was an arrogance thing or ignorance. Or I don't know. But it was quite astounding wow. to me at least that I was just like... And oh, so when those guys are going out, are they, they're losing guys to friendly fire and stuff like that? I don't know if they're losing dudes to friendly fire. But they were definitely losing a few dudes. Um, yeah, I don't think it was... So is it a fair... And I've never been to Iraq, never never served overseas like that is it fair to say that in your opinion life's a lot cheaper to them than it is to us in the sense of their own safety other people yeah 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 definitely because it's just something they've lived with that sort of conflict and more for hundreds and hundreds of years so yeah. it's like part of life life's life's not very valuable yeah the, from what i gathered so therefore they're probably not going to put the same amount of training and safety measures in place because it's like people die shit happens yeah yeah, I think like in the West here, we're very like, we're almost very individual focused. The yes. individual has inherent value. Yes. But over there, they're much more of like a family group, it's culture, collective. society, collective sort of stuff. Yeah. So individuals, I guess, don't get that same attention and, and importance maybe. So sure. that probably leads a bit. Plus, you know, they've been at war for X amount of time. Yeah. Life is cheap just becomes for them, the individual lives so sure. it was just a different mentality for them man and so for you guys are uh did you enjoy that process were you frustrated because you couldn't get out and kick doors yeah we were then we sort of adjusted to it man uh and because where i was i was out of the Assad air base on the euphrates river so like a bit north of baghdad uh-huh. um, and then we just had a small group of us out there so it was pretty like how many fuck, i think there was 10 of us so you're sort of out training them during the days or doing whatever and then PT just all maintaining the camp yep you know um, doing stuff with like air assets and yeah majority of our work was training though and then there's a lot of like camp maintenance stuff because we were sure. running everything sure cleaning all the fucking yeah, okay. mechanical stuff gotcha you know radio shit whatever yep um, and we, you know we'd occasionally link in with like the other guys that were on the base the marines the seals yep. or whatever so there was a, there was a fair bit of work to be done all the time and like we used to cook our own meals we had yep. to get air supplied uh, sorry resupplied by air yep 
Um, so it was actually kind of fun, man, because we were just out doing our own thing. Sure. Um, no real oversight. Highest rank we had was a captain, but he was a fucking loose unit. Awesome okay. dude. Yeah, awesome. And the other guys we had were, were just... It was just a cool little team, man. Sure. Like, so guys were like, just let's get shit done. Yeah. Don't stand on too much ceremony. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Could that you have was a beard? Like, a beard. Did you have a beard? Yeah, most of the time. Oh, that's Most good. of the time, yeah, yeah. So you were happy. You had a beard, oh, didn't super, have to shave. Stoked, yeah. Like, woo! <laughs> so the top priorities are ticked. Yeah, I, I, that was, yeah, 100%. I was just like, oh, this is fucking awesome because we're out here doing what the fuck we want. Yeah. All the hierarchy were back down. They'd fly up every now and then for a sure. bit of a, you know, for, like, I wouldn't say a photo op, but like just come and sure. see how we're going. Yeah. And we'd, you know, we'd shave and put the cameras You'd back. You'd parade up and... Yeah, all that type look of at, shit. Look how schmick we are all the time. They disappear, you go back to wearing your shorts, tank tank tops, grow your beard. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of loose, loose like SF sort of yeah, shit that you sure. see in the media and you yeah, think that's yeah. what SF is. That was yep. kind of what it was like. Yeah. Um, so that was it was an interesting trip because like yeah we were frustrated we couldn't there's certain things we couldn't do but we were still having a massive effect on the battle space sure by using all the air assets and gotcha high mars and dropping bombs on dudes so what's high mars uh, I don't know what the acronym stands for but it's like this rocket that would basically gotcha. fucking fly. it was like right next to where our rooms were yep and it would just shoot this rocket right up in the sky and then like a guided missile sort of thing but fired from a land platform sure and goes how far Long way. Oh, fucking long way. Like a couple hundred k's or... or Probably, yeah. Sure. It went a fair way. Like, it would just go directly up and this big smoke trial would just like, go out in the distance. And that's like they're targeted with UAVs or like drones essentially or whatever? Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So you guys are a bit involved in that sort of stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it was, yeah, I I won't say too many details about like how we did it, but it was was a bit looser than I thought it would have been. You know what I mean? But um, and did you find that experience in a lot of stuff in military or especially SF where you go and go, oh, this is going to be very regimented and blah blah blah, and you get in there and go, oh, it's just some cool guys who want to get shit done. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was awesome. very much the mentality there. So that suited your personality a lot better than regular army. It did, yeah. yeah. But we, had, I mean, we had all the normal sort of um, tensions that a small group of alpha personality guys sure. have in a small con- confined space away from the main contingent. Because if you haven't got enough work, then you turn in on each other. Yeah, there's a, a, lot there of was ways, a bit which, of that, man. Like we which mostly, is pretty, which is normal in a lot of those units, those personalities, right? It, it is normal. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing happened in Afghanistan because we were living in one room. Yeah. At least in Iraq, you know, it was big boy rules, and we had our own rooms, and yeah, sure. we had a bit of separation if we needed to. But there was, you know, there's still tension every now and then. Sure. Just petty shit, you know, like because sure. of the food rations were on. Yeah. You had a bit too much food, someone would fucking get India, and sure. And like the rumor mill that was going on back in Baghdad about what we were doing up oh, in Alistair. Okay. There was a story cutting around that my mate Pete yeah. like at one point flipped the dinner table and like bashed me or something. <laughs> but right. that never fucking happened. Me and Pete were fucking great mates. <laughs> and I don't know how those sort of Chinese things... whispers. Oh yeah, it was pretty epic, man. And then uh, like, I guess it was kind of like lucky in, in a sense. We got like, our base got attacked a bunch of times. Okay. And even then, like, that was reasonably mundane. There was rumours going around that I'd killed some people. And, sure. and, like, yeah, it was just funny the way that information got back to those guys. And even when you say it's pretty mundane, I know you, we were talking a little bit about this last night. So um, one of the stories you said, there was a couple of uh, suicide bombers came into the to the base, ended up detonating within the base with a firefight, some of the other US guys or whoever engaging them. Yeah, yeah. So it happened a few times, and, and I, I, I think I might mesh some of these stories together. But 
Um, so we were like, there's Al-Assad Air Base, the big base. Yep. Then there was the, I've forgotten the acronym for it, the, the coalition base. Part. Yep. And then we were another base inside that, the little SF contingent. It was sure. us and the Navy SEALs gotcha. next, next to us. So like sort of one within one within one. Yeah, yeah. So we were three layers deep. Yeah. And they were still getting into your compound. No, no. So they never gotcha. got into where we were. So like a couple of times, um, some of the air assets around the base were like, oh, there's been, you know, reports that we've got these suicide bombers lining up and then so they're lining up at entry points or on the outside of the base walls yeah almost like little FUPs like yeah, sure. getting ready to come on the base and a, a couple of times they point. actually got in so FUP being form up point so they go hey there's four dudes with suicide vests they're outside you know the northeast corner and uh, they might be coming in yeah, yeah yeah it was a bit like that and a couple of times I think they just had drop, uh, bombs dropped on them and they didn't get anywhere Sure. and I thought that was hilarious because I was like there'd be these Four idiots sitting out there in the sure. dark with suicide vests going, this is going to be so good. We're going to smash them. Like sneaking around and then, and then someone's looking at them with a... With a drone. Like, in, you know, with a fleur, what do you call it? The uh, infrared yep. going like, you're about to die, bro. And the thing, and I guess, and I only say this because from a non-military person, civilian's point of view, some people who listen to this and obviously because of the dogs and everything else may not be military or police, so they may have an opinion that suicide bombers and people are very well trained experienced real zealots but in a lot of times they're just really normal dudes who aren't that bright who you know have bought into the religious you know fervor of if you suicide yourself you go to heaven there'll be all of the things that come with that that they believe and also it's good for your family and there might be money involved for your family and very very basic needs met so they do those things yeah massively yeah exactly and that that, that was it was like i wouldn't say it was sad because i never really gave a shit because they're fucking pieces of shit but but it, like, it's not as clear cut as like... And they're sort of manipulated by... like it's They're not the evil people in the sense of how silly that sounds, but they're normal Joe Blow trying to do their best. Here's, a, here's an opportunity for me to do something that means something to me, to my family. It might make money for me. So in a lot of ways, they're probably driven very similar to you going over there to fight. They just have different ideology that we don't believe in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like... Well, yeah. The, like and we we had this conversation at one point because we'll get you know we get these reports about what ISIS was doing you know yep. out there with these sex slaves and, sure. and fucking killing people and just yeah. like blowing shit up or whatever. Yeah. And we were all sitting around looking at each other, going, "They're just a bunch of dudes that are just totally unchecked by anyone, yeah. doing what the fuck they want. They're yeah. loose units. They're going back. You know, if you go back a few hundred years, that's pretty much what was happening all over the globe. They're just doing it in their own little." corner of the world that's pretty much un, unregulated by anything except their own yeah. ideas with with this you know super sinister yeah. ideology oh absolutely laid in over the 100%. top 100% yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but it's yeah so and I only say that like for people listening to your podcast don't get me wrong I'm not sympathising with them I think absolutely drop a bombs on them is a great idea but it's funny how we look at things like that in a different light like I certainly do the more I'm around military guys talk to them it's like yeah dude it's like yeah, they were a piece of shit and they were doing the wrong thing, but they were just guys fucking doing what they thought was right. Yeah, well, I mean, they... You've got to think, I guess, of the context. They've grown up in a certain 100%. way. Had this certain mentality their yeah. whole life and they, they've got no frame of reference. They're no. not like, oh, what I'm doing is wrong. They're like, no, no it's totally justified because these guys did this to us back in the day and now we could just get in our own. And, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fucked up, but it's you, you don't just wake up and you're ISIS one day. You, no. You've, you've lived a life before then. Some, a billion things have happened to get to that point. Entrenched in ideology and different things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. But yeah, still worth dropping a bomb on. So, they, so a couple of dudes get in and 
at different times and detonate bombs. Sorry, I took you off track. You no, no, that's all right. Yeah, so a few times, um, I think the very first time it happened, um, uh, fuck, what happened? Very first time it happened, they crawled in through this dried up river system that led into the base up to this little supply depot sort of thing. Uh-huh. I think there was like 13 of them from memory. All right, yep. So what we did was we... Um, jumped in the little bushmaster thing that we had yep and we went up the top to this like hill on the to base some high was, ground. yeah overlooking that yep. part of the base yep drove up there and, and was like you know what the fuck's going on sort of thing so they so they're sneaking in thinking no one knows you're there you're all over them because you got infrared and different things going on so yeah. like it's you're watching them sneak in going oh it's gonna be like shooting fish in a barrel in, in one respect yeah I mean we were quite far away we were like maybe 500 metres sure. away and it was at night too so we had night vision and whatnot, but we like we probably could have dropped a bunch of rounds on these guys but we just were like oh I can't really see what's going on sure. and there's like structures and there's people and yeah don't want to be just throwing rounds around not sure who it is or yeah and by the time we got up there the firefight had already started oh, okay. and it was like you know there was tracer rounds so who's engaging them seals or other no no the local local dudes okay local uh, like the, the iraqis that were in that little supply depot cool so they're um, on base with you the iraqi yeah yeah cool. they're on the base there we were just up there watching this sort of thing unfold and then um like as as this firefight was going on there was a couple of guys that were like detonating their vests I don't know whether they detonated them or they got shot and they blew up or whatever but like you know you could see the see the this yeah, blowing up here on, infra- on three MVGs yeah, yeah yeah I mean I couldn't see like a dude and then he exploded no, no, but you'd you see, see like the, the light tracer then a little flash and an explosion yeah. and yeah, it, was, oh, it was pretty cool to be honest and then um, that was sort of that like we just went back down and it all wrapped up and I think they'd been mopped up by someone or they'd all blown themselves up or whatever it was and we did a bit of a debrief and and it happened a couple more times and, and one of the other times and you know I said I was going to talk about that only time of a couple of times that I've sort of felt real fear yeah awesome yep because the ISIS had that whole fear campaign going on and they used to release all those videos of them overrunning bases and sure. executing everyone and yeah, killing yeah. everyone and yeah. VBIDs yep that first one I was just like meh whatever second one for whatever reason we had these ISIS videos in their computers because that was just the material that was cutting around and I watched a bunch of them and uh, obviously pretty intense videos yeah and so they're overrunning bases and killing yeah like was American soldiers no no like just Iraqi Iraqi soldiers like out in the the boonies but they're but they're coming up against Iraqi forces who you'd think might be able to hold them they're overrunning them killing them torturing them stringing them up taking videos like all that real terror terror yeah all all that real hectic sort of stuff yep so the first time I was just like, oh, that was pretty cool. It was interesting. And then we came back down and then I forgot and it was like a week later or two weeks or whatever it was. And then same sort of thing. They were like, oh, there's some fucking suicide dudes. And I, I'm, I may be mashing up some of these sure. stories, but um, happened again and the woo, the alarm thing was going off. Mm-hmm. And I had these American grenades in my room, the uh, M67 grenades, the big ones. Okay. And I was like oh cool we, we might go and you know get close up with these dudes this time because we're actually going to go and look for them yep and I was handing out a couple of these US grenades to a couple of mates of mine and I don't know what it was but I, it just popped into my head I'm like this could be one of those times that when you we, we could be you know I could be the first dude in that door and these guys might be suicide bombers and I could sure. just get fucking crumped yeah 
and I'm you know I'm handing out grenades going this we could be that close yeah and I had this real sense of like oh fuck like this is it just felt really real to me in that sure. moment and I, 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 I I don't think I'd ever felt genuine fear like that. Yeah. Not that I was like pissing myself and I was no. like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But I was like, Jesus. Fuck, I just felt the fear in me. Sure. But, and I think I even said out loud to myself like, oh, shut up, you fucking idiot. Like, get over it. Get get going, you know. Go and do your stuff sort of thing. Yep. This is why, like, you chose to be here, so you better fucking pony job. up. I mean, look, turns out we never ended up going and going toe-to-toe with these dudes. We went out with the seals in this little convoy um ended up brassing up this little compound kind of close to the front gates seals like had this uh had their 50s and like a minigun like just destroying this it. little little structure and one of the dudes actually launched uh, like an 84 mil rocket yep i think what they call an at4 and uh and air burst it and it was dude i think they he I could be wrong with the, the distances. I think he airbursted at like 150 meters, which is pretty close. Because it was to like, you, yeah. An like, airburst just mean it just spits shrapnel out. Yeah, explodes in like a in the dome shrapnel. almost. Yeah, yeah. And it just went like boom, boom. And I was like, fucking hell, was it supposed to be that close? Be that close together. <laughs> and I was in the vehicle, and I was on the PMV, the the turret. Yep. Gun. Yep. And I was looking at this thing at this compound they were shooting and they were shooting the there was rounds hitting the ground and then yep. the dust was popping up and because yep. we had like our um, infrared light sure on the compounds we could see it was like the shadow of the dust was going onto the wall and the ah, dust was moving across so it looked like people moving and I thought it was people yeah but then I like quickly realised it, it wasn't yep because I was like oh I was so excited I was like yeah. yes I was like you're about to die yeah. bro but it, yeah, I realised it was just the kicking up of the sure. rounds. Yeah. Um, and mate, that was about it. Like we just sort of turned around and went back, and I think the seals went down the next day and did a BDA. And I th- it's a BDA. Uh, sorry, battle, battle damage, damage assessment. assessment. Yeah. Um, and again, I might be mixing this up with a couple of the other times this happened, but I think there was a couple of dead dudes. Sure. Um, and I think they even launched a rocket into one of the little buildings down there. Like the the bad the ISIS guys did. No, the seals the did seals when, they, did. when they went back. They I gotcha. Pumped another rocket into one of these buildings. I gotcha. Yeah. So, but so when you're looking at that mate from a, you know you you're about you're handing out grenades you're about to throw your kid on and go out, that fears a very very understandable and normal response. Yeah, it is. It, it is. But I like I said I, I snapped myself out of it and I wasn't like. It was like a mortality realization. It was totally, yeah, totally yeah. like self-preservation. Not like, like, oh, I can't go. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. I'm going to go. This is my job. But fuck, this is serious. Yeah, yeah. That was 100%. And it was yeah. it was the first time in my life that I was like, I can't see what's going to happen after this. And and do you think that's almost a bit... So you're mid-20s at this stage? Uh, I think I was 27. 26, so th- 27, yeah. Do you think it's a little bit like... And again, it's that prefrontal cortex is fully formed at 24 or 5. You understand repercussions a bit more. You're over there a little bit older, a little bit, you know, a little bit more stuff in your bucket, and you're like, holy shit, maybe not dissimilar to your section commander guy. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Before you went to Afghan, like, in yeah. that three hour hour, potentially. Yeah, I think that was the case, man. I'd had a bit, I was a little bit more mature, yeah. like a tiny bit. <laughs> we had I, a low base to come from. I think, yeah, I was at level one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I think I had a bit more of a frame of reference. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, 
I reckon more hectic stuff happened in Afghanistan, like with IDs and sure. you know that you know, patrols and whatever. But I never, ha- I never ever had that fear over there for some reason. I, just, that, I don't know why. It just never dawned on me. And that's sort of like running out for your first game of representative footy. You're like, this is so exciting. This is the best thing ever. So there's, it's probably excitement and happiness. For, silly term, I guess, to be in a war zone. But I, I finally get to do what I've wanted to do for so many years. I've been obsessed about and focused on and. You can go, no, you can't. You can go, no, you can't. You finally get let off the chain and you're like, woo, best fun ever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and that's like the, my mentality switched from like, oh, fuck, I'm really like, this is actually, I feel I feel genuine fear and I'm yep. scared. Yep. But I went straight to, well, you better pony up, bro, because There's a job to this do. is why you are here. So if you're not ready for this, you better hand your... <laughs> you better yeah. hand that beret in, man, and get yeah. out of here because yeah. this is not where you should be. Absolutely. So I was like, okay, cool. I guess I've... This is it. Let's go and do it. Yeah. And I mean, it never eventuated like sure. that, but, but I was, it, yeah. But again, it's that same thing we talked about before. It's a lottery of whether stuff happens or not. Yeah. Yeah. Purely just, just a luck thing, man, you know? So, uh, so you don't like, that's pretty much what you're doing there for that period. How long are you there? Six months. And you're yeah. on that, that base for six months, yep. doing that job for six months. Yep. So it's a good thing in the sense of you're away from a lot of the hierarchy and yeah, so oh, yeah, I had a good I had a good time on that trip doing some cool stuff. Yeah, and there was a couple other little things that happened on that trip. Like you know, we had a uh, like we were doing a range shoot one night, like just off the base. Yep. Um, came back and de-kitted or whatever, and then um, the next day we had reports that there was guys hiding behind that berm that we were shooting at. Oh wow! That then tried to sneak into the base under like a carpet and then getting shot at the gate a little gate. entry gate by the guy in the tower under under the carpet what like walking with it over the head yeah, like a fucking cartoon like a like a wild like a group coyote. of dudes with the, <laughs> yeah like, with the carpet over him we're so sneaky we'll sneak in no one can see us because we're just getting brassed up by the iraqi dudes um and a couple of guys in those towers had been killed at not maybe not that incident but when we were there because of little base infiltrations like small arms fire and stuff or, yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. um but me and pete went up to have a look at it the next day and there was still blood on the ground and yeah. blood spattered on the gate and the, the little blanket I still got photos of it the little blanket was sitting there with a couple of bullet holes in it turned out, turned out to not be ballistically rated blanket after all it turns out yeah yeah mm, I interesting. was devastated so you uh, so that trip ends yep oh I've, I've got one more cool story yeah, yeah, we cool. got Go. IDF too and, and, and again me and Pete were out um, doing something with the Bushmaster and then we got indirect so like like rockets fired under the base. Oh, yeah. Yep. And um, we were standing out with our shirts off and a couple of rockets went overhead and landed like... So your shirts are off, just tanning? Get, yeah. Getting tanned and massive? You're just getting huge. I think that's why they were shooting at us. Yeah, because they thought you were like legit was a, Such tough. a beacon. Mm, I, was, I was a threat to their masculinity. Yeah, well, that makes so sense. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they shot a couple of rockets like overhead and they just like... Behind us, like, you know ages away yep and then another, another another one came in like di- like literally directly over me and pete and the you know like those vulcan cannon guns uh fuck, i've got the acronym for it that they shoot rockets out of the sky yeah, yeah. Like, yep. and the yep. big tracer yep that thing this is middle of the day yep. that thing shot the rocket out of the sky like, like directly above, above me and pete wow so how far off the ground's the rocket oh man hard to gauge maybe a couple of hundred meters sure so it's not not far no it wasn't far man it wasn't far like it, it, we just heard 
and then the thing was like and then yeah sure and we looked up and this is like a puff of yeah and were you most concerned because it was blocking your sun for your tent or was well it I was dark? like oh now I've got to fucking put my shirt on yeah now I, I was like again and that didn't I wasn't scared no. for some reason I was just like well, probably oh, cool. you're, and, and that's a whole lot of the fight or flight thing right it's when you're in it you're like this is what I'm fucking here for when you're like I'm going to do it Oh, it's a natural fear anxiety it's like public speaking it's like going to social engagement it's like anything it's the pre-fear of doing it rather than I'm in it like you're there doing whatever you're doing the rockets are there you're like we just deal with this shit yeah yeah I mean and like there was like we found bits of shrapnel and stuff on the ground yeah sure after that we didn't know was there because we just weren't paying attention or whatever but um, yeah like I just I don't know it just never in, in terms of like you know combat operational threat from the enemy sort of thing that one time that I said I, I was really fearful yeah that's the only time I've ever felt that fear that fear yeah, yeah. And, and you know being rocketed or whatever and I was just like oh that's kind of cool like it's a cool experience it's a cool story to tell and that's what you're there to do right so it's yeah, yeah awesome yeah yeah so what anything else happened on that trip uh, nah nothing crazy man that was it just a bit of fun me and Pete tried to watch the entire X-Files series. <laughs> I think season 10 or whatever had come out at that time. So we were like, right, we'll watch seasons one to nine. So we'll we got all the context. Yeah, yeah. We got to like season three. It, mate, each season had like 15 episodes. <laughs> that were like an hour and a half each. <laughs> so like you guys, up, like, you guys up to till midnight trying to watch it. And trying to. And at the same time, we're taking this sleep supplement. Uh, supplement called Iron Dream okay. which has since been banned <laughs> and like we we take this stuff and just be crashing so hard <laughs> fuck we'd have some epic sleeps though oh so, so good yeah it was kind of funny <laughs> oh, so it, funny. it was good mate it was good times so. so that finishes come back come back what um, uh, had a bit of leave and whatever same thing I was a bit off the rails mate get on the piss sure. and all that type of stuff what was your attitude towards military and that at that in your job at that stage um, I was still I was still, still loving it still there yeah, yeah still awesome. going oh this is pretty cool you know what next sort of thing mm-hmm. um, and I was sort of like thinking what specialist courses do I want to do and I was sure. tossing up between dogs and snipers yep and dogs had been suggested to me before yep by a mate of mine and I sort of paid it off because I wanted to do that trip and there was another trip coming up the next year I think it is I think it was and I turned that trip down to then go on the in oh, my head I turned it down I may not have even been on the fucking <laughs> yeah, sure. no not, not sorry, this time dude, guys I, sorry guys I can't go I'm going on the dog course and they're probably going oh okay yeah, good oh, you weren't invited damn, you fuck with damn yeah. Brownie <laughs> yeah yeah so I went so on so they didn't cancel that trip when you couldn't go they should have yeah it's they, weird they, they totally should have man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the last trip they realised they they're like Brownie's not going yeah, what's the point? Yeah, makes sense. I just took off after that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the whole Middle East fell in the hole. So, um, so then you go on the dog course. Yeah, went and did the dog course. So, how do you get on that? Is that a selection process? Is it hard to do, or it's just you turn up and go? Hey, I wouldn't mind being a dog handler. Uh, mate, at that time, I don't think people wanted to go on the dogs. Oh, really? I think that they thought because it's not like the cops right? no it's not like you've just got all this autonomy and you go, yeah, go off doing sure. your own thing and it's just awesome yeah, yeah. like you're still attached to the platoon sure you're still in the assault platoon but you've yep. now got this extra responsibility gotcha. this extra dog so I think for a lot of people it was an extra layer of shit that they didn't need admin training whatever sure where they you can go out and you can still go out 
um, on patrol. You can still do the same thing. You're still getting fights with bad guys, but I don't need to have this dog they've got to look after and fucking feed and yeah. do a course. And so it's almost a pain in the ass unless you're really motivated for it. Yeah, I think that was the mentality. Like, it's going to take me away from the assault platoon sure. and doing what I want to do. So were you dog mad at that stage or... Not at all. No, not at all. Never I never grew I, up loving dogs or... Nah, nothing particular, man. Like, yeah, cool. Had a couple of dogs, had nothing to do with their training. So you're just sort of like, nah, snipers, dogs, psh, go to dogs. Yeah, that was it. Like, I thought it was cool. I was sure. Like, oh, that's pretty cool, doing yeah. dogs, you know? Fucking yep. attack dogs and stuff. Did you see any of those? Was there any of the, the pictures the photos of uh, stuff getting around on social media with the dudes with like the the high slung holstered Malinois on their back that you were like that looks pretty cool I might do that was there any of that sort of gear no I don't think so to be honest oh yeah it's a pretty anticlimactic but only me going to the dogs knowing your personality knowing how deeply you research something I could see you seeing a, a photo with a Malinois you know hitched on the back of some operator's back and you're like dude that'd be so cool I might get one of those well, look, this is one of those times where I was like, you know, I'm only going to let my natural inclination and my yeah. natural ability for this awesome thing to get me through it. So and when I'm you like, get on the course, did you have a, a natural sort of ability with it? Oh, I wouldn't say I have any sort of natural ability, but I was decent enough at it. Sure. Um, and like, it was only until later when I got out of the military and I'd been through some you know, that mental health stuff. Sure, that I we'll get to. Yep. started to laser focus and teach myself and be obsessed gotcha. and get more involved. Whereas at that time, I still had that mentality that I was like, I'll do this because I think I would be naturally gifted at it. Perfect. You know, and yep. everything I did was just baseline what I naturally do. And so for people who don't understand what uh, military working dogs do, especially in an SF capacity like that, what's, what's their role? So you're out on patrol, let's say you're in Afghanistan, you're about to go and, and do a patrol, you're going to do a job, you're looking for bad guys, you're doing whatever. How's the dog used? So they've got a variety of roles. Um, they're primarily a bite dog. Yep. That's why they're called they're a CAD, Combat Assault Dog. Yep. So they're there like another team member. Yep. Um, different set of eyes, different sensors that we use as early warning. Different speed, assault. different... Yeah, that yep. type of stuff. Um, and they can have other functions like explosive detection yep tracking human scent very much like the cops do yes um, but I think like we never had dogs in Afghanistan uh, I say we like two commando uh, but the SAS did guys sure. in Perth um, so I think I think primarily what they used them for was the assault stuff yeah I couldn't tell you if they did a lot of tracking sure you know and it was explained to me I don't and I'm, this is for people who wouldn't understand and I'm asking question in a lot of ways like in the police capacity we would take the dogs and look you know bad guy leaves this spot we go and track and find bad guy at that spot take them out I was, it was explained to me in a lot of ways dogs are used to get a general almost a general direction of travel of the guys you're chasing and then then the whole group moves up in a normal patrol sort of formation to go and look for that guy rather than all running in a line chasing the dog to find the bad guy is that a yeah very yeah. much so yeah, yeah. so, so like, it's very much a tactical tool to point you in a direction so you can do your job yeah rather yeah. than the tool to find the guy and the dog does the job yeah yeah exactly gotcha. you, you don't just take the dog off the leash and yeah. you go like fucking good luck let's all run yeah yep. yeah you're like you've you've there's a lot of tactical considerations like because as opposed to to an urban policing environment where you're just running through backyards chasing guys but potentially with guns but potentially not but the threat's very different exactly so like you might be chasing one guy with a gun another whereas... 10 guys lying in waiting in an ambush they're dragging you in yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. So the, the 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 threat is different. You know, you've got to assess the the environment very differently, and we've got lots of layers of assets and yep. and you know tactics and yep. enablers and support staff and stuff that 
you know, create that puzzle, the, the, the full sure. picture. Yep. So the dog's just one little piece. Just one tool. Yeah. And uh, is it fair to say, for the people who don't understand it, it's like my opinion of it from a, pl- uh, a policing canine environment, the dog is literally trained, as would be the military working dogs, to drag you into an ambush where the offender is in a lot of ways. Yep. So you guys are all, you've got to be very tactically sound to go, we know how we're using it because it could actually be the thing that drags us into an ambush. They just send a runner out to suck us in. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to go out and suicide your dog, right? Yeah. You don't just want to be like, you know, like I said, unclip him and be like, go find you, the bag on body. Yeah. He needs support too. So, sure. Um, you know, the, the, like the a dog's dog bite doesn't, feed a, it doesn't beat a gunshot. Well, the, the dogs are team members. 100%. So we, we afford them every courtesy yeah. that we would afford another operator. So good. Like you wouldn't just run straight through a doorway that had uh, you know rounds coming out of it sure at a sustained rate because you would get shot yeah you would need to prep that room throw grenades in yep you know flashbangs whatever same thing you know, for the dog exactly we afford the dog the same that same courtesy so and and then those team environments and those dogs like to other dudes in the team look really fondly on those animals they get very much like part of the team is it that sort of thing or some people don't care some people love them well because at that time we like the SAS had validated their dogs overseas gotcha. in combat. Yep. They'd saved lives. They'd yep. done real operations. So I think their guys looked at them very differently. Gotcha. They were like, I've seen the capability these dogs I can I see provide. the value in it. I see the value. Sure. Whereas our guys, I don't think had really seen that. And our capability was a bit of an emerging, developing one. Sure. So we, we just didn't have those operational wins at the... Yeah, that the SAS guys. I keep wanting to call them the cats, but like we used to call them the, the SAS cats. cats. Yeah, they might call us the does, like commandos. Yep. And I don't want to call them the cats because that would get confusing in this podcast. Sure. The dogs yeah. and the cats, and you're like, what? Yeah. Why do cats have dogs? <laughs> <What> the- <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll just yeah. call them the SAS. Um, yeah. So they 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 very much validated their capability sure. through, and it was a similar capability crucible. to your like the the training and everything and the way they use similar to what two commando yeah. is. Yeah. We, we mirrored their capability yeah, um, essentially they they trained up our first guys yeah they, they basically raised the capability for us in yeah. conjunction with the air force sure and then as we do with the two units they kind of do it their way and we do it our way yep. and then we Slightly don't talk different. to each other as sure. much as we should yes yes <laughs> so yeah it was very i wouldn't say siloed because the people was, who don't understand there's uh there's quite a cultural difference and there's almost a uh, sibling rivalry between those two those two units there there is and it was like a bit of a because you know the SAS performed in like in the Australian SAS anyway officially formed in the 50s I think and gotcha. they went to Vietnam they did yep. Borneo yep. all those kind of things yep. right whereas the commandos didn't quite do the same right we yeah. had the first commando regiment uh, which was a reserve unit it was a reserve infantry unit no, reserve commando unit. Oh, reserve commando unit. Um, for like a, 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 in roughly the same period. Yep. But didn't quite do the same things that the SAS. Sure. Uh, bleh, excuse me, the SAS did in that period. Sure. So their their history is a lot longer than sure. two commando. So it was a bit of an like, and when two commando came around, it was a bit of an older brother, younger brother. It's like you're the new boys, get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It was like you know I've been here for a while. I'll show you how to do it, sort of thing, and then. I mean, I, I again, I wasn't there at that time when the unit was raised. Sure, but that's the vibe that I got was it was older brother, younger brother. And, and I've like, read like I've read a couple of books like Cam Baird's book and that where they talk about and someone else's I can't remember who they talk about, you know, being in Afghanistan or and the SAS going and doing stuff and they were sitting back waiting and a bit of frustration in that and 
Yeah, it probably would have been like that in the early days. Yeah. Because, like, Two Commander would have had to have come of age. Yeah. So to, so to speak. Sure. Whereas SAS had, you know... Had runs on the board. Five decades of yeah, operations. For sure. So we... I keep saying we, like, I didn't do it, but the, but the guys in the unit had to validate the capability in the sure. unit through that the crucible of Afghanistan. Yes. So that was like the coming of age for Two Commando. Yep. And I think at some point there was a bit of a you know older brother going like older brother younger brother looking at each other going like you're you're pretty cool yeah, you're okay too yeah, we can we can live with this yeah totally I mean I'm sure there's plenty of guys that are still like we fucking hate each other and they're shit and we're shit and then you know and it's again the good alpha male attitude of uh, yeah but ego. as my mate Pete says right if there's not some alpha male shit happening in those places there's something probably going wrong 100% yeah. So you're on the dog course. How's that go? How's the course go? Fucking horrendous. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> cool. Horrendous, dude. Awesome. So, um, in so is this where some of the mental health stuff kicks in? And yeah, big time, man. Yeah. So do you do you think maybe we should pause here to crack it into two parts? I think we're what two hours in or something. Two hours, eighteen minutes. So maybe we pause here, go to part two, so people aren't listening to a five-hour podcast. <laughs> Fuck them. You reckon? Good idea. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, two hours, eighteen, probably better for uploads. Let's pause now, and we'll um, come back in part two. Easy as. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Thank you for listening to the show, and we hope it inspired you to be better and live at your potential. Stay tuned for our next episode, or check out our range of tactical canine equipment at www.origincanine.com.